Vice Central. Unbiased analysis. Huh? Hello, hello, hello. Welcome to LOI Central, uh, the third episode of 2021 in association with futureticketing.ie. Check out their website uh, for deals with tickets uh, if you are a League of Ireland club. Uh, futureticketing.ie are sponsor for the season ahead. Today's show is packed. Two former Go United and Dundalk players in Ronan Murray and Paddy Barrett. Uh, both have an exciting start to the season at their respective clubs, that of Drogheda United and St. Pat's Athletic. And Dara Doyle was obviously in a bullying form after Longford Town shock bows, 2-1 down, 2-0 down rather, and got a two-all draw at Daily Mount. I spoke to him after the game on Saturday. Uh, we're on Apple Podcasts, SoundCloud, Spotify, Stitcher. Check us out on Twitter as well, at LOI Central Pod, and nearly 6,000 followers. And of course, if you did check us out at the weekend, you would have found out that Owen Walsh, who uh, styles himself on Twitter as a food science graduate from UCD, uh, was happy to uh, win the pizza from Four Star Pizza. And interesting enough, Dan, he went for the exact same um, option as our winner in week one. And not only that, but he was also a Sean Rovers fan. So 2-0 from Sean Rovers fan so far, winning the free pizzas. Is, the, is this going to be a season of complete Rovers domination? They've, mm. they've gone so far, they're, you know, they're taking some of the best kids, taking the pizzas. Here we are after a one-all draw with Qatar. Well, yeah, well, see, we're, we're recording this on Tuesday night, so it's just off the back of a of an international. So I'm obviously a bit triggered, you know, as you tend to be. Stephen Kenny was a bit uh, uh, hyped up after the game, it must be said. Um, he was energised. So, uh, yeah, triple header over. I mean, yeah, it's it's a strange. It's been a strange old window, really, to be honest, you know. Pretty like, you I mean, not least when uh, RTE cut out for a while tonight and just realised, like, Normally, like, you know, when I'm doing a, a live report at a game, uh, you know, I, I have the excuse that, you know, you're, you have your head down on deadline, as you know, yeah. you can't see much. But, I mean, this is a completely new one when I literally could not see the game in five minutes. Didn't realise you could switch over to Sky, like, plugged out the TV, the internet, everything. So, when around <laughs> the error mark, details are very foggy for a while. I would have lost their way for a while. Yeah. And um, now, listen, it's, I mean, listen, this, we're obviously... Uh, League of Ireland podcast and 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 you know people are obviously going to hear loads of stuff about Ireland this week, but it's I suppose with Stephen Kenny, there's always a certain interest that's there. It's something people are talking about. Um, there's been this, is this been this this culture war angle, this assumption that like every League of Ireland fan out there, by the way, is like the only person sporting Stephen Kenny. And of course, anyone who knows the League of Ireland will tell you that if there's anything that Irish people do well. And I mean this in the nicest way possible. It's like it, it's a, well, that's not even a spagudry. It's a wonderfully petty league. I mean, mm. it's a it's a terrifically petty league. And like you know, everyone within the league is guilty of it. So there's no good guys and bad guys here. Plenty of people in the league you probably you know who've been crossed or don't like Stephen Kenny or you know have had issues with him at some point who aren't actually in his corner. But um, one of the things you you have to learn about you know covering the Irish football team um, in particular is that it's it's everyone's team and it's everyone's opinion and you're going to encounter some bad opinions, some of which might be your own ones, um, you know, along the way. But you do have to sort of, uh, you do have to, like, you know, listen to some stuff. And there is no doubt that Kenny being in charge of the Irish team, like, it brings out a certain, uh, it brings out a certain clientele who, uh, who you know, who would equate managing, uh, you know, managing in the League of Ireland or even managing a team in the Europa League with like, I don't know, you know, junior 4C or something, you know? And that's just like, that's obviously why, you know, people within the league who want him to do well 
who are of course still the majority. I'm only I'm only joking really about that, but like who want him to do well, uh, know the significance of it, and and that's why like there's probably a bit more investment there, mental or you know emotional investment to some degree because you know I, I spoke to someone about this last week, and um, I'm not going to say necessarily where it came from, but you know sort of you know ambitious young coaches in the league at the moment now, but obviously they're looking at. Stephen Kenny, how he does, and feel like if he obviously does well, then the opportunities may open down the line for 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 young Irish coaches and you know background. But obviously, if if it goes badly and it ends badly, there almost be the sense of oh, we can never point uh, someone from the League of Ireland again, and um, that that's that's why there's like it's almost like a referendum on the league. I mean, that whole thing is obviously a lot of that is a bit of a nonsense because it sort of assumes that everyone who comes from the league is the same person, has the same personality. Like, But it, it's part of our, our football culture here. It's, there's a lot of people... And listen, don't get me wrong, there's so much wrong with the league. Like, You're, you're probably a little bit more last half full than me at times about that stuff. It's just, you know, like I, I'd probably still be more critical. But you can't help but sometimes get a bit more sensitive to some of the more extreme criticisms from people who generally, like haven't got a clue what they're talking about yeah you know and uh some some of uh some of the stronger critics of kenny um probably couldn't pick out like the irish team if they're in a lineup you know mm. or or might uh might rock up at a um you know might rock up at a league of ireland game a couple of times a year and and uh ask questions which suggest they haven't watched any games in a year you know but that's yeah, I don't definitely don't want to spend too long talking about this because um you know no, we've we no, a long show not. as well. Um I suppose from my perspective, um like it's almost like a little part of me died on Saturday night. Um even though I know like the story is still being written, it's it, it, the Stephen Kenny thing is a bit like you know, it was like he won the popular vote in an election and you were part of the celebrations of the election <laughs> and like you were like, This is great, and you know, everybody celebrated, but then he delivered on what he said he would deliver on, and it's failed spectacularly kind of so far. And you just feel like, you know, the economy is crashing or whatever, everyone's depressed, and it's like mm. and then on set so on Saturday night, like being honest, I'd gotten a couple of local um points of Guinness from the takeaway locally, but like augmented it with a few I clarify legal legal. Yeah. Legally, yeah, uh, augmented it with a few IPAs, and I was kind of like, Jesus. I'm also like drinking just to kind of get through how miserable this is, and it was kind of like reflecting on on myself on Sunday. You know, one of those kind of bad hangovers on Sunday where you're like, oh god, I, you know, this is just a, a bad hangover. And then on Sunday night, the Jack Charlton documentary was on finding Jack Charlton. I was like, I'm not in the mental state. I'm practically, I'm, I'm sure I'm going to be welling up watching this because of all the memories and. Um, then you, you try to counterbalance Jack's achievements against Stephen Kenny's, and you might, it was just it was hard, to kind of because you know I know that Stephen Kenny wants us to play well, but like we just seem so far away from it at the moment. Well, but... I, listen, I, I think we have to listen. First of all, like um, you know, the, the <laughs> I think one of the biggest problems facing the debate going forward is people who only have a, a re- one reference point for Irish football history, and that's Jack Charlton's mm. era. Like, like it's it feels like the Irish football team is the only possibly the only thing in Irish life uh, where people are actually thinking that maybe we should be doing the things we were doing, you know, 30 years ago. 
like in all aspects of society. It's not that though, Dan. Like it's not that no, they no, necessarily it's... think that. It's like, and it's just the, the feelings that even watching, you know, the watching the show again on on um, RT two tonight, going back on the England riots or whatever. It was just like that feeling of nostalgia, and it wasn't because I was a kid, but I was just saying like I always felt in those days that Ireland would always equalise. They had an unbelievable spirit. And I remember the nation being swept away, and I just remember it was kind of like Galway in '98 when the All Ireland. There was just this amazing wave of emotion and feeling that just seemed to go on for a few years and I, I just kind of want that back and that's why no, I feel I know. sad about where I, we're at we've sunk so low I, that, that that almost like that Stephen Kenny is energised after one all draw against Qatar No I get that but I mean I think as well like those of us like I feel it's very privileged that I was old enough to remember it still and yet like we were kids at the time we were the same age but like we also have to get to the stage where, where, where it's 30 years ago and yes it was absolutely amazing it was the first time, you know, and, and 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 but like but people who've been there and lived through it also at a certain point have to move beyond it as well. Like that we can't like juxtapose everything that's that's going on in football in Ireland in 2021 against that because it's a long time ago. And as we acknowledge, and I know this isn't the point you're making, I understand the point you're making. We yearn for those days, of course we do. And Stephen Kenny, to some degree, has made a rod for his own back with mm. some of his proclamations, um, which I think people have endorsed. And yeah, I, I think in hindsight, certainly, um, you know, he, he, certain comments we would probably say were well advised in terms of building expectations. And like I've been on shows with you on sort of national airwaves and stuff, where you almost feel like wanting to, to temper expectations sometimes, even sometimes, listen, I've, uh, you know, had a cut with you, like in the sense of, expecting that when Stephen Kenny comes in we're going to do this like I'll always make the point that it's the dog team like and people listening to this would be way more aware of that of like how is the dog team could be like very good at the dark arts when they needed to oh, be, yeah. you know very cynical and pragmatic and yet like it, it's built this expectation that they're going to be you know they're going to be something that they're 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 not you know what I mean and, and that's listen that's part of he, he's fed that like talking about changing the perception and stuff probably at times um, it struck the wrong chord, and then well, sorry, it's not that it struck the wrong chord. But I mean, you don't win your first couple of games, and then it becomes like ten 11. games. You lose at home to Luxembourg. It's a problem. I guess what my basic point is, though, like I saw a reference somewhere today: like, how can Ireland, you know, three times World Cup, you know, uh, qualifiers, participants, uh, participants, you know, lose to Luxembourg or whatever? Well, like the last time we were participating in the World Cup was two thousand and two, so that, mm. that, that's irrelevant. That's like people in England got on about sixty six. Like you know, like it doesn't it doesn't guarantee you anything. And like you know, the reasons that Ireland are where they are now, for a large part, is because of like doing nothing in the nineties. Like I, I I watched the uh, the Finding Jack thing, and I have completely different emotions to some degree. Like I'm looking at it and going, it's a great show. Like no idea what Larry Mullen's doing there, but anyway, like you know, who else <laughs> is going to rule it? Like Zig and Zag should have been brought in, probably. I think it was. Yeah, anyway, we'll we'll argue and that again. Someone going about taking the tricolor back or whatever. But like the, the the like to me, I just get angered. I look at Charlie Hottie. Sorry, oh, I know who really annoyed me, Bertie, of course, mm. Bertie. Mm. Like, I mean, it's exactly, exactly what we need. Let's. I don't. It doesn't matter whether he's a League of Ireland fan or not. It's more. It's more a case of like you know, here's a politician just foisting himself into the narrative of this era. When in reality, like if Bertie, who was Minister for Finance at the time, I'm not sure if he had any bank accounts at the time or something, but then uh, was also went, on to be, went on to be Taoiseach um, of, our, of our fun country. 
Um, you know, if at the time, like, you know, politicians hadn't been caught up in vanity stadium projects um, and, and actually maybe more so immersed themselves rather than, rather than like getting involved in Crow Park and, and appearing on the premiership. And depending on the premature, and actually, like you know, tangibly look to build on that, then maybe we wouldn't be so immersed in nostalgia about this period. We'd be talking about the sustained period of success that followed it, rather than this outlier in our history that appears that will now hang over us forevermore to the point that people in 2021 will be saying, "Well, maybe you know, we need to do what Jack Charlton's team did." Like the one thing I would say about defining Jack Charlton thing again, I'm saying a couple of things about it is the uh like what he had like like he would have hated Stephen Kenny's right style of play like he would have like he would have absolutely despised it but actually he probably wouldn't have minded his conviction mm. the one thing that Jack Charlton actually had was a firm idea and conviction about how he wanted to play uh, which actually at the time wasn't necessarily um prehistoric it was actually on in tune with like studying trends of the time and what he felt Ireland needed to do. But Kenny's trying to do it in a completely different way. Maybe won't work. Maybe it isn't that coherent at the moment, like performances from one game to the next. You know, there isn't a pattern. But actually, like it's I, I think I've said this before, is like is it the big Lebowski or something where they're on about the um the nihilists or whatever. Nihilist. Like at least you believe yeah, loyalists, like See whatever. What you like about tenets and national socialism beliefs and ethos. At least they believe, yeah, at least there's an ethos, these believe in something, you know, and, and like that's that that's you know, you probably want a manager who and channeling in his inner Walter Sochak. And you live, listen, you live and die by that. And maybe, maybe Kenny will die by that. Maybe that's what happens. But listen, it's a slight tangent. I was, fact, I was, I was in a, I was in a fragile, hungover state. And then when you like, when you see a man who's like badly, badly suffering from dementia, kind of light up when he recognizes Paul McGrath. You're just like, oh yeah. I, no, I know. I, it's great. You know, it, it was so, it was just like, but at the same time, um, I wanted to play better football. It's um, great. It's, listen, sure it's great stuff. It's great stuff. It just has no place in a match report or preview of a game in 2021. It's not relevant. Th- things aren't frozen in time. Things have changed. Like teams have got better for a reason. And what we did in the past doesn't entitle us to anything. We always slag off people over the water for doing that. Yet when it comes to the discussion of the international football team, we are absolutely locked in it. And that's, um, it's driving me mad, like a lot of the time. And, but listen, it's a generational thing to some degree. And you know, maybe in 30 years time, we will be boring going on about how things used to be. If we're not already. Well, I mean, maybe 10 years time, but Mm. like, yeah, maybe even, you know, maybe even in 10 minutes time. But like the, the point is, you, mm. you just can't you can't be that person <laughs> listen let's move let's move let's, let's move, move beyond on. that I, Stephen Kenny will be fine by the way in the sense of um, uh, FAI backing for the foreseeable future I'm sure um, some of you noticed as well no yeah I'm sure some of you noticed Dan invoking memories of your first time which uh, you know at this late hour as we're recording got me thinking of my first time the first Ireland game I watched which I, I actually can't remember Dan you can't remember the first Ireland game you ever watched no and it's funny even watching that documentary tonight like I can distinctly remember the 92 game in Wembley where Quinn got the equaliser can so much as as with so much clarity even remember the home game do you remember Italian 90 I do but I for some reason I like it's what was it that was like eight at the time seven for Italian I 90. remember I remember Euro 88 mm, I don't, don't remember no recollection of that I don't remember the England playing game in the garden don't remember the England game at all though like to clarify but I remember the freaky deflection uh, mm. from Keith 
And I remember that year's FA Cup final, Wimbledon beating Liverpool. And I remember that year's Grand National with absolute clarity. So the memory was okay from 88 onwards. Let's, let's get to Ronan let's Murray. Let's get to League of Ireland. Let's talk, well, first of all, listen, before we get to Ronan Murray, we should, we should point out that it was like um, a... It, as much as it got lost a small bit in the, in the international week to some degree, and that's just the product of the season being delayed. It's not ideal. Like we did have the first division starting. Women's National League kicked off. We had a League of Ireland round of fixtures that sort of slipped under the radar. But some great storylines, like some mm. actually great storylines. We'll hear from Dara Doyle, like Bowes throwing away a two-goal lead, from Dock losing, Finn Harps, and Finn Harps going top of the table. I think you've had like a cat and mouse chase with Ollie Horgan trying to get Unbelievable. someone from yeah, the show. Trying to get some like full. trying to get someone from the, the beacon to give a statement the way it was. Ollie was just not having any of it. I actually to be fair to to be fair to Finn Harps, like and we just should say this, we, we did decide like that Finn Harp should be part of the narrative this week, obviously, because they're top of the yes. table or whatever, but but not unsurprisingly, and I don't, I actually don't really blame them for this. They kind of went underground in terms of media. And listen, there's nobody at the games at the moment. You know, they don't really have anything to promote in the near future. And Ollie Horgan knows they're playing Drada, which is a kind of a, a, a complete banana skin if such a thing exists for Finn Harps in the Premier League. I get it. So I, I don't hold that against you, but just to point out, we did try to get some fit harps but i actually think the way that i think the way the, the way our two guests three guests worked out it wasn't too bad anyway and here's the first well, well yes well john you're not giving away that we recorded some of this earlier but we did um and here's ronan murray who obviously was involved in what was a disappointing end uh to, to draw this game at the weekend a defeat to some paths but we had a chat to ronan about quite a few things how are you ronan not so bad how are you lads we're good, yeah. You're uh, you're wearing the Drogheda paraphernalia, um, but you're now based in Dublin, uh, which is we were on about nomadic, uh, the life of nomadic footballer. This is the, your latest kind of, um, I suppose, your latest dot on the map. You're living in Dublin and playing Drogheda. Yeah, it's my second club in the smallest county in Ireland, so it's uh, yeah, <laughs> it's uh, it's a weird one, but uh, yeah, I'm on the east coast again. So I had a year at Dundalk, obviously living in in Dundalk, and now. I'm down in Dublin, so um, yeah, on the East Coast, but the East Coast gets a lot better weather than the West Coast, I'll tell you that for nothing. Yeah, definitely better than Belmullet anyway. <laughs> Just a little bit tamer. Yeah, it's actually mad. Like I, know, I, 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 I was like that time when I moved to Dublin, I couldn't get over the difference. It's a completely different climate East to West, but you wouldn't know that, what with your own loud roots and all that. Yeah, but my mum's from Galway and insists that the weather in the West is always better. Like, and I'm just, <laughs> it's obviously not true. So I'm actually very happy to, I'm happy to play this back as evidence that, like, this is definitively not the case. You know? So, yeah, <laughs> um, yeah, yeah. I, so, like, Ronan, hey, yeah. like, like, Ronan, like, we, we actually were, we were speaking to Conor McCormick and Greg Bulger last week about moving around, and that's part of the the gig. And you've done it in England and you've done it in Ireland. I mean, is like, you know, do you you come into a winter with no club, like what, where's your head at when it comes to that type of thing? Because obviously it's, you know, it's, it's easy for us to sit here and talk about it, but like, this is your job. This is your life, you know? And, and, and you know, how were your feelings going into the winter after the season at Sligo were over ending? Yeah, it was, it was difficult because I needed an operation uh, on my toe. So um, I needed that for months and months and months, but uh, I needed to keep on, kind of going we went through lockdown obviously last season uh for months and i had the pain in the toe but i needed to play for sligo and you know and um try and get in the team and everything and go through the pain barrier a little bit 
but at the end of the day, I needed a toe operation at the end of uh, the season. So eventually I got that. So I was laid up then uh, for six to eight weeks um, in a boot uh, for a month and that. So it was it was difficult to, um, you know, if you were fit in the off season, you could maybe work on your fitness and mm. keep exercise up as well from your mental health and as much as anything else. But I was laid up and just took day by day and um, concentrated on getting myself back fit again um, and getting my toe right. And I had a previous uh, ankle operation the a year previous on the same side. So I, I still needed to work on my ankle um, strength and work on that side because that didn't fully recover either. So um, I had a lot of work to do and I, I focused on getting... Um, getting my fitness back really and that's all I could really control um, mm. in the off season and with lockdown and everything I know restrictions uh, eased before Christmas um, so that was a little bit easier seeing people and stuff but um, that was it wasn't too bad because nobody was playing football uh, in mm. Ireland um, so it wasn't as if everyone else was playing football and I wasn't so um, it wasn't too bad yeah, I mean, it's 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 funny, like, everyone who listens to this show is, is based in Ireland anyway, you know, can empathise with, like, everyone's been through lockdown in varying degrees, and, like, so many people have their own ways of getting through it, be it cycling or running or whatever, and for, you know, an athlete or a sports person or whatever, like, to be even a bit restricted or laid up, the, I know you, you probably had stuff you could do still, but you know what I mean, it's, that probably made it doubly difficult in a way for you just to not have that release of fitness and doing your work that you might have been normally yeah it's really only in the last few years um that you realize what football does for you mentally it can be mental torture at times don't get me wrong on the field and uh, all the rest of it but uh when you come home from training and you've you've done your um you've done your work and you've done your training um you come home in a good fresh state and achievement of doing something you know that good the endorphins are going around your body that you never knew about um when you're a young lad you just take for granted but these are all positive things when you're fit when you're healthy when you're playing football um it keeps you happy you know um and i've only really appreciates the mental side of it in the last few years that when when i've picked up injuries and not been able to play football or exercise um it can get you down and uh, I can only promote exercise as as a great mental health uh, benefit, you know, and get get people get people moving, you know. Yeah, yeah, because because then like another complication. I mean, we spoke briefly about this off air, but you know, you're from Belmullet, which obviously made the headlines for you know COVID swept your your you know your town, you know, before and after Christmas, and I mean, you didn't escape that as well, which probably added. The, the difficulty of the period yeah so around christmas time um i think we we're the worst we might have been the worst in europe at the time um so i think we we're getting on the news in germany and different places like that so i didn't realize that actually yeah for all, the, for all the wrong reasons so um but unfortunately i picked it up with my girlfriend and um after christmas we decided to come up to dublin um and isolate in Dublin uh, and we couldn't affect any of our family members or 
um, anyone around that we we might have come in contact with. So um, so then we <laughs> it wasn't it wasn't the nicest experience, and I wouldn't wish it upon anyone of any age. So um, I was down and down the dumps for about three or four days um, in bed, bed, bed down. Um, and then after that, then low energy levels for the next two weeks, uh, lost a taste and smell and it just was a miserable time, uh, in a time when I really wanted to ramp up my, um, fitness and I was able to got the go ahead from the surgeon to, um, do a bit of running, do a bit of jogging, but I said, I can't do that at the minute. Uh, <laughs> so, um, that's how it went, but, um, yeah, it was a bit of a double whammy, but I got over it, and um, thankfully. I yeah, I think everyone's, got, everyone's had enough. Everyone's had enough COVID in their lives, I think, to dwell on it. But sorry, Johnny, I I, I cut across you a small bit there. But w- during this time, like, you're are you taking calls from people and and clubs and managers, or were you or were you so sort of, you know, laid down that you couldn't even think about what you you were doing? You know what I mean when you were through it. Yeah, my main focus was getting back personally fit so I could have the confidence to go in somewhere and do right. myself justice. Um, so I focused on getting myself back right from the COVID uh, with my own runs, with my own fitness uh, before I started inquiring about, um, about anything, about joining a club, going on trial. Uh, etc because I wasn't confident going in anywhere after being laid up for two or three months and then having COVID on top of it to go into a pre-season training just wasn't the smartest idea in the world so uh, I focused on getting myself fit getting my lungs back to where I felt comfortable enough to join a training session uh, and especially a pre-season training session that is is the highest intensity of the year bar, mm. train, bar actual games so um so that's what I was that was where my head was at at the start of the year. Um I suppose late late January I had two or three weeks of my own training, getting back to getting back to fitness and testing the toe out really because I wasn't sure that this operation had actually worked as well. Mm. So um and thankfully the pain subsided uh in the end and uh the surgeon was happy when I went back to see him. Um, at the end of January, so um, and I was happy then to I went in at Pats for for two or three weeks, which was great. It got me a great base fitness. There's nothing like training with a team, so um, that that was great. And then I joined Drada after that. I suppose just just in that context, because like after I I would have first come across you really at Galway United, and Galway United were so close to not getting relegated, but by consequence of the relegation, I suppose that team kind of fell apart. You were one of the players who left for a better club, went to Dundalk, but between Dundalk and Sligo, then your career wasn't on the upward trajectory maybe that it was going into Dundalk. And I was kind of worried, like where would you go, and would you even consider quitting football? Because it, it must be very very hard in the mind when you've come from where you came from in England as well. Yeah, it was difficult. Like Dundalk, I thoroughly enjoyed Dundalk, uh, and we had a successful year as a team. I think a third, I, I played a third of the games, which from the year previous at Galway, I played more or less every game and ninety minutes in every game, and I was really part of it, you know. And then at Dundalk, I didn't feel as as part of it, um, and I thought I'm getting older, I need to be playing. 
you know you don't you don't have many years playing football so you want to be playing when you're allowed when you're able so um that was my thinking on joining Stiger Rovers and then injuries impeded the Stiger Rovers uh, stint massively um unfortunately because I really wanted to make it work being so close to home <clears throat> after so many years away um but it just didn't work out just whatever man himself above didn't want didn't want it to work out so um is that the lowest point of your career then or? probably probably would be yeah uh i did i did i was out for a year in england and that was tough because you had no family or friends around uh to support you uh in tough times you know so you're just left alone with uh with an injury that again you, you can't really go to the gym uh, I had a stress fracture in my pelvis, um, so that was pretty serious. So I was out for most of the season. So that was tough as well. But um, but Sligo was was very tough in a sense that I couldn't I couldn't show people what I could do closer to home. Mm. And Drada came along. Yeah, thankfully, uh, and I'm delighted to delighted to be here uh, at Drada and. Uh, Really enjoyed it so far. Uh, apart from the last couple of minutes at St Pat's, it's been it's been good so far. Did I, am I right in saying was it Dane Massey doing a bit of agency work, sort of letting Tim Clancy know, or how did the how did the actual thing come about? Uh, that between the end of St Pat's and Drada, you know, how did how did that play out? Because it all seemed to happen pretty quickly between being on trial somewhere but then signing for Drada. Yeah, you'd be you'd be right in that. Uh, Dane seen that I scored for St. Pat's in the friendly, and he was he was wondering what the crack was. Uh, was I signing for St. Pat's or what was happening there? But he got on to me to see what the story was, and I wasn't signing for St. Pat's. So he subsequently got on to Tim, and Tim got on to me. Tim got on to the chairman to see if there was funds there for me. So uh, the chairman was seemed to be happy enough. Um and then that was it. I was I was a draw the United player. So uh, yeah, so, so when you when you went into Pats, did you think you were like you had a chance of signing? I guess just the whole like listen, it happens in the League of Ireland every winter. It's nothing unusual about you know people go on trial somewhere. But like what understanding did you go in on trial? Was it like come in and see how we do and there might be a an offer or was it just you were going in to train if you know what I mean like what was the arrangement yeah I got on to Stevie and I just asked him to go in to train uh, to get my fitness levels back up and he made it clear from the start that uh, the budget was tight and um, you know there mightn't be a contract day in the end and I said that's totally fine I appreciate um, him letting me in to train in the first place because I didn't have anywhere to train as a, in, a, in a group setting so um I was delighted just to get into training and, and I was I was way off it. For two weeks I was way off it. My touch wasn't there. I had to I had to concentrate on the runs. The first two days we were just running and I was back at the queue like <laughs> so I was I was playing catch up uh from day one. Um but then after two weeks I, f- I found my feet again and then got my touch back and then we played against Cork and then I felt like uh, I did okay against Cork in the preseason friendly again. Get my sharpness back, but at the end of the day, they didn't have the budget. Um, they got in lads from from England in the end um, mm. on loan, like so. Um, that that's that's just the way it went, and 
I cycle and draw it and just, there's no hard feelings. I appreciate uh, what Stevie did for me and uh, and that's how it went. You say you were way off it at the start. Like everyone has their professional pride. Like you have your professional pride. Like you know what your max level can be. Like how difficult is that? Like, you know, just to, you know, the first day or two, just to, you know, you know, in yourself, you don't need to be told by anyone. I'm, I'm not at it. You know, how, how do you get your head around that almost? Uh, you have a pep talk once a day with yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Tell yourself you're not really this bad. Uh, really? Yeah. Or, or this yeah, you need to just believe in yourself. I suppose that's, that's, that's the way you have to look at it. You have to believe that this is not you. This is a consequence of injuries for two years. Um, not touching a ball for three months. Um, well, you know, accumulation of a lot of things um, has made me, put, has put me in this situation. So I understood where I was um, and why I was there. And that made me continue to try and get better. So that, that, was, mm. that, was, that was it. I was, I was coming home. To the girlfriend and effing this and effing that, how bad I was and etc. But she she talked me around and she, she was the she, she was the backboard there to 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 for let for me to you know unravel on. So it was um, she helped as well. You come through COVID Sounds together like so you could get through Anton at this stage, like. <laughs> <That's it. laughs> I was just gonna say, yeah, you've had a quite a couple of months. But the, the obvious question I would ask if I if I read on paper, you know, someone has signed for for Drada is okay, so this is now a part-time club, you know, relative to where you've been before in terms of the training schedule being being part-time in the evening. I know it's still quite intensive to, to degree what, what Tim and, and Kevin are doing. So is that a change of circumstances? I mean, I gather was was she living in Dublin, so that was maybe a factor in in some respects that you know, it's not like they had to find you somewhere to live or anything like that. But are you basically now part time and looking to do other stuff, or what's your situation now? Yeah, I'm. I'm looking. It's part time. I haven't been. I've never been part time. So, uh, training in the evenings would be going back to my Irish United days, back when I was fourteen. Uh, so this it was a complete change waiting around for a training session in the evening times. What do you do with your day, basically? Um, you know, you even have to think about food timings and all this. Whereas, if you're in training in the morning, you have a breakfast and then off you go, and that's it. And then you get your day's work done, and then you can carry on with your day. Um, so there was there was a bit of adjustments there in terms of um meal timings and just getting your head around uh tr being ready for training. So um, but now I'm looking at um. I worked with M Fitness in Belmont when I was playing with uh, Go United, and unfortunately I had to leave that with um, joining Dundalk. Um, so I'm looking to get back into that space again, um, into maybe online coaching, online training, program planning, and you know the fitness industry essentially. So uh, I'm looking at setting up something online and uh, seeing how that goes. What have you made of Drogheda so far and the management team in the short time you've been there? Yeah, very, very good and and very to the to the point, uh, because you have to be to the point when you're when you're part time. Um there can't be any training sessions that just slip you by. Every training session has to have a purpose to it, uh, because of the lack of time that you have together. 
So um, it's been good. It's been structured. I think we've been well organised in our two games that we've played so far in the league. Um, and I think we've uh, we've done all right, and just need to keep it up and keep that mentality up. It's the lads are coming up from the first division, and it might be a bit of a honeymoon period. Mm. So it's for our um, older lads to keep the standards high. Uh, and don't let lads slack off. Slack off. That might might think that you know the Premier Division isn't as hard as or whatever as as they might think. But uh, you need to keep your standards high every training session and every every weekend you play. Saturday must have been interesting as well because like you'd you'd probably gotten a bit of a feel for how good Pats were and you know they showed I think flashes on Saturday that they are a very good side. But again, you're really a couple of minutes away from getting a point. Yeah, Pats dominate possession. That's the that's their game, and the um, if they get one goal, you know you're struggling. Luckily, we got a goal at the weekend, but um, you know you'd be they dominate possession. If they get one goal, they're just going to dominate possession and not let you score in the end because you're not getting many chances. You know, so um, they're a good side. But I thought we did well uh, against like their budget and our budget and them full time, uh, us part time. You know. We we've we've done had a great account of ourselves, uh, I thought, and it was you could have heard a pin drop in the dressing room in the end because we were just it was such a sucker punch in the end to to lose um, to lose in the end after what we put into the game because they had the ball for large periods and we were chasing doing the right things and keeping our shape and everything but that's tiring that's draining and we're just drained mentally and and physically in the end. Um and then not to come away with something was very was very disappointing. It's, it's just something as well we touched on last week. Um, and I, I was I think like I kind of spoke to Darrell Doyle about this after game that you know Drawd and Longford they didn't make massive wholesale changes. They are kind of relying on the core of players that were there to an extent as well. But just to, like young Kane and your goalkeeper at Drawd and some some of the players there, there are a lot of young players coming through. You see it at Sligo Rovers where you are as well, Johnny Kenny and obviously John Mahan. There are a lot of young players coming through, even from the general area of the club they represent. Yeah, um, the lad, the young lads coming through at Drada, there's a there's a good mix. There's a nice mix of uh, youth and experience, and they give serious legs to the team uh, and youth. Um, and then you've got the experience of Dan Massey and Gary Deegan and Jake Highland and fellas like this um, that you know drive the team on and give them give them advice and obviously Tim and and Kev as well. Um so it's 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 good to see young lads Brandon Birmingham does there's, there's a few young lads there in train that that have been very impressive and they haven't got their chance yet. So um again to keep encouraging them. Um they might have played a lot last season but they might play as much this season because uh, it's a touch higher but they, mm. when they get their chance they need to take it and uh but they've got the ability in abundance and it's great to see young Irish talent coming through and well coached as well. Mm. Like I was going to say, like, you know, that you talk about that part-time environment, as you mentioned, like that there probably is like a, it's a low budget dressing room. You know what I mean? Like Tim's working off a tight budget there. Like, but in some ways, like, can that be a, a fun dressing room in a way too? Or not fun, but like satisfying dressing room that, I assume everyone is, is working hard there, you know, like they have to work hard because you've no other option but to work hard there. Whereas obviously 
that I'm thinking of your times in probably even in, in England as well and stuff where you've probably been in dressing rooms where lads are phoning it in because they can, you know, because they're on a long-term contract and everything's okay. Whereas this type of environment, really, there's no hiding place. There's lads there on, on really small money. So I don't know, from your perspective, do you actually enjoy aspects of that? Yeah, I first came across that aspect when I joined Galway. Um, you know, there was, we were training in the mornings and lads were going to work then at like 11, 12 o'clock, you know, straight away. And I never experienced that before. You know, they were, they were maybe on uh, low wages or lower wages. Um, but they were, they were basically doing because they loved football, you know. Um, yeah and love coming into training and doing it because they love it. Uh, whereas in England, like you said, people might be on X amount of money. They don't need to worry about, um, they mightn't be in a team. So they've got two choices, either work hard, work hard to get back in the team or you just um, sack it off, as they say, um, and, and not work hard. And that goes through the dressing room. And it's not a nice environment to be in if, if there's two or three lads that just don't care about the team and they're essentially part of the team, yet they're not trying for the team. And it's, it's a weird it's a weird one and don't envy managers that have to deal with that in England um, constantly. Um, so uh, it's a nice environment to draw the lads are just coming in because they love football, they want to learn, they want to get better. Um, it's straight to the point every training session straight to the point you're in you get your prehab done you're into um your training session everything's high tempo um and with gary deegan about nobody is ever going to slack off yeah he's a bit he's a bit of a character i think dan got some footage of him last year and uh yeah maybe showed what he was the beard's not as wild now he's sort of trimmed it a bit he's not looking as uh ferocious as he was in his shells days but i assume the intensity is still there though is it the intensity is definitely still there, yeah. So, um, and he's only getting to know himself as well in this trip. So. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> the the Harps game is going to be interesting as well because, like, uh, just all of the so-called smaller teams have been going very well so far, and this is a kind of a, it's a big chance for both of you to get more points on the table because ultimately you are at the very bare minimum trying to stay up. These are the games that you know the the Pats games. They're the ones that you, you're it's easy to get up for you know what you're doing you know your jobs um you're trying to stay in the game for as long as you can and maybe nick a goal you know and then you've got uh teams that maybe the weaker teams, so-called weaker teams i don't know if there's a so-called weaker team this year uh with the way things are going but um they're the games that you really need to focus on and get your points from and they'll they'll tot up at the end of the year uh and essentially we're going for uh safety mm. uh, so it's an early game, but you need to you need to get these head to heads. You need to be on the right end of these head to heads um, throughout the season. The four games that we play, you need to be you need to be coming out in the right end of them. So um, it's going to be a good test. It's going to be a different test. There's are a lot more physical team than uh, Pats were with their style of play, um, but I don't think they're as physical as uh, I think they got a few ball players now. Mm. And playing a bit more football, so you don't you don't know what um, you don't know what's going to be until the day um, we can only focus on ourselves and our and our uh, and our tactics and our and our style of play. So um, 
it'll be interesting. Um, but we'll be we'll be ready for it. Just a final question for you. I remember, I remember you mentioned this actually in your Bow United days. You spoke very highly of your time in England under Roy Keane. And I'm, I'm just interested, do you think, we don't really mention much in this show, do you, do you think there is a future for him in management from your perspective? Because I think, you know, he's been talking about the Stephen Kenny situation and the shambles that we've endured over the last, you know, few days. And he's been quite um, sympathetic. But do you still kind of think of your former boss and maybe where his future will lie? It all depends on how much he's learned in the last 10 years under uh, Martin O'Neill. Um, he seems to have mellowed out a bit. You need to have that uh, give and take um, philosophy in, in management. Um, but it, it'll be all depending on what he learned under Martin O'Neill in the last 10 years. So um, I would love to see him in a management job and doing well. Um, but it's it's it's... It's not up to me or you, but uh... yeah, you, you actually told me a nice story about him because I actually rang Ronan recently for a piece I was doing about 10 years since I was at management. And I think you had a story that when you you were at Galway, was it? And you were down playing a friendly against Cove Ramblers and Roy was was there and he was asking after you, but you hadn't traveled or something, which is just a nice touch that he obviously, you know, still remembered you. And was going to a game and, and obviously knew where you'd, where you'd signed. He was still looking out for you in some degree. He, he does keep an eye on the league. I do know that. Yeah, especially Cove. I think he's, he's, um, he goes to match, he goes to random matches. Uh, I suppose the randomer, the less chance people will be annoying him. So, yeah, yeah. Um, he just likes football, you know, and seeing where, where, what kind of standard is at the game or, you know, whatever. Uh, just likes the game of football, but uh, Shane Keegan didn't want me playing against Cove for whatever reason that weekend. Um, I might have had a tight hammy or something, I can't remember, but I didn't travel and the lads played. But um, yeah, Roy came over to the, um, it's like he was like our kit man, ball boy, Michal, and was wondering where um, where I was and why wasn't I playing. Um, he's going to have a pop at Shane Keegan for not picking you <laughs> <laughs> so um, so that was nice to hear that he um, he remembers me anyway uh, so um, so that was the last time um, I kind of had any not not meeting him but uh, but whatever you know oh, that's great this is Ronan it's great having home. you on yeah really appreciate having you and, on uh, and thank you We'll look forward to maybe chatting to you later in the year and the best of luck with coming weeks. Thanks, lads. Thanks, Thanks Ron. Yeah, interesting kind of concluding words in Roy Keane, who um, he just, I guess, he belongs to a different year as well, Dan, but he doesn't go away. And I was always struck about like how some players like didn't like playing for him, but, you know, Ronan just a bit of a no-nonsense character, just kind of he had a lot of admiration well, for him. Well, Ronan, Ronan got to work with Roy Keane when he was, mm. Ronan was a teenager. And um, yeah, like Ronan obviously was equipped to deal with Roy Keane's style at that stage. Not everyone is able to to handle it, and that's that's not even to suggest, by the way, that people who couldn't handle it were weak. Like I've heard a lot of stories about Roy Keane, a lot of stories. Like, I mean, I and I, I mentioned it there. Like Roy Keane is someone who I think, you know, he, he goes to League of Ireland games. He's genuinely very interested. I was at it years ago. I sat next to him at a. At a he was at an Indo dinner when he was. Ireland assistant manager 
and I had like a couple of hours next to him and it was all like small talk really a lot of it genuinely really interested in signing who in the league and what was going on you know and that's very like it's not a forced interest say for interviews or whatever as Ronan says he turns up at random games and like there's so many times you just want Roy Keane to be uh, involved in football and and yet the flip side of that is you know you speak to some people who you really like and respect who've you know and and aren't aren't bullshitters who've been in like dressing rooms with Roy Keane and and just have horror stories and mm. so, some of them weren't you know very pleasant in terms of how it worked out for some younger players and, and maybe some people say that's a character test you know test the character but that's you know but that side that I think that's gone from the game too and as Ronan said you know maybe has he mellowed a bit like it would be great in some respects to think you know could Roy Keane come back and, and be active in football and um, I mean, it wouldn't be great if he managed in the League of Ireland one day but I don't think he needs that now I don't think he needs it's, to do that now with his sky, with his sky money I don't think it's, I don't think that's going to be it's, uh, it's funny though um, very economical move. I was up uh, I was up with Joseph Ryan's earlier and Keane Bargary's brother um, is working there it turns out the, the Bargary rider for Nigel Christian Davies is actually a brother of, of them as well so they're kind of a temporary sporting family but uh, here was me about Joseph at Joseph Ryan's talking about Cork City and was explaining that the manager we spoke to last week actually replaced him in Saipan Colin Healy Roy Keane so kind of a, a driven Cork man who actually is manager of Cork City and uh, they had they had a good start to the season as well we'll, we'll talk uh, first division maybe more as the weeks go on yeah there's some good name dropping and story dropping from us there wasn't it you know oh, I was at a dinner next to Roy Keane yeah mm. I was just down at Joseph O'Brien's this morning do you ever I just get up at five in the morning I'm, yeah I wasn't feeling privileged do you ever just think minutes? sometimes that we're just a pair of pricks really um, yeah yeah to be fair all the time um, one man who certainly isn't is Paddy Barrett Paddy Barrett how are you getting on I'm great I'm great thanks how are you we're not we're not bad I was, I was going to say the the weather is uh, like I was down in Galway at the match and it was Arctic on Friday night, but it's it's like um, it's it's proper warm weather today, but it, it's no Cambodia, I would say. No, for sure. For <laughs> sure, it's not as hot as Cambodia, but look, it's the first time I've seen a bit of sun since I came back, so it's it's great to see it. It puts you in great form. Paddy, like everyone that's on this show pretty much or, or has been in the last year, like we were doing lockdown shows People talking about being indoors, being at home, maybe not traveling, um, unless they're, you know, clubs playing in Europe or whatever. But you've had a very different experience over the last year or so, um, you know, in terms of continents and cities and flights and uh, quarantine, Christmas dinners and, and all sorts of stuff. I mean, you, you've had a bit of a year, really, haven't you? I mean, tell us, people who are listening are probably broadly aware, but t- tell us about the story of your, your last year. Yeah, well, don't don't bring don't bring up the quarantine over Christmas again. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, obviously, um, my my kind of quarantine, lockdown, isolation kind of stuff is a little bit different to obviously the Irish people kind of and anyone else that's kind of in full lockdown. Whereas in obviously I was in America when it, when COVID first started, and it was probably for maybe two and a half three months. Uh, we were on full lockdown, couldn't leave. You know, it's just like like we are here now in Ireland um, where there's proper restrictions in place everything is locked down but kind of when the summer came along June and July like it was kind of to be honest with you it was like there was no COVID existed in America where you know restaurants were open back up nightclubs bars uh, coffee shops you know you could go in and sit down and there was it was literally just wear a mask kind of stuff 
Mm. Once you get in, you wear a mask going into the restaurant and then take it off, which I I, I felt no, made no sense. But, um, you know, so I didn't really kind of go through that full lockdown experience like others had. And then obviously when I came back to Ireland at the end of the year, um, before the Christmas time, it was kind of where Ireland, Ireland opened up kind of restaurants to a certain capacity and that kind of stuff. So that was before it. And then before I locked down fully again, obviously I said, I'm getting out of here. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so yeah, that's where I was on a flight um, over to Asia, over to Cambodia. Um, obviously like, now it took me, it took me a few days to get there. Kind of, I, I went to, to Qatar, I flew into Qatar and, flew into South Korea, South Korea to Phnom Penh. And then obviously I was in two weeks of lockdown, isolation, kind of quarantine in a hotel room, which was a bit of a disaster. And that was my worst, that's the worst part of the whole like year and a bit of COVID was the two weeks stuck in that hotel. It was an absolute nightmare. Um, tell, us like I, tell, us, t- t- tell us about it. Tell us about it. Oh, it was just like, you know, I, I, I wouldn't I wouldn't wish it on my worst nightmare. Like, I, I don't know how people know. And I, I didn't think it'd be as bad as it was because I expected the actual hotel to be on lockdown. Not, or sorry, I, I expected the full hotel to be in quarantine, not certain kind of rooms, we say, where, as mm. in, I, I know some people that went to Cambodia, like obviously players and that from different countries that had to go and go through quarantine where, it was the full hotel where their pool was still open. They were allowed to use the gym, you know, because it was the full hotel. But like the place I went to, I think I got stitched up, to be honest. <laughs> I just went and I was stuck in a room for two weeks. I had to had like I had 14 pieces of paper um where I had to fill out my breakfast, lunch, and dinner, slip them under the door, and then I get three knocks a day on the door with my breakfast, lunch, and dinner, where I put down a time of what I wanted. And obviously it was a small menu as well. It was like, it was a government given menu, you know? So it wasn't like it was top quality food from the restaurant, from a nice chef. Like it was the government decided the menu. And as you, you probably know by yourselves, you both were in Cambodia where there are some places with dodgy food. And I, I was given the dodgy food over the two weeks. Uh, so that wasn't, that wasn't a good start in my Cambodian experience, but I got through that and obviously kind of living in Cambodia, there was, it was like COVID didn't exist again, you know? And then I look back on the likes of, I look on Twitter and Instagram and these kind of things where it's like, I see all my mates, everybody from Ireland kind of losing their minds because they're stuck in. And I'm just thinking like, it's crazy that one country is so different to the Mm -hmm. other, you know? And even that's even going back to America as well, where things were so laid back. And then you go to Asia where there's, you wear a mask, kind of, you don't even have to wear a mask, to be honest with you. Um, and then here, it's obviously you're on full lockdown where you can't even, you can't even go past five kilometers, like, which is just the differences between the countries is incredible. Like, and obviously for me, it was good, incredible because I wasn't in the lockdown until now, kind of. Yeah, yeah. <clears throat> I mean, I'm just trying to think, like, a lot of people when they watched, say, the tennis players when they went to Melbourne for the Australian Open and stuff, it was all these videos of them in their rooms, like doing, I don't know, hitting a tennis ball off a wall or doing some <coughs> kind of like shuttle runs or something like that. But what I mean, did, did you do anything along those lines in your two weeks? Or um, to be I, I, like, to be honest, I didn't, I didn't do much. Like, there's only so much you can do. Like, 
I did a lot of kind of stretching, kind of yoga. Uh, like I, I wasn't running, like to be honest, I wasn't running around the room like a like a like a maniac, like a weirdo. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? If I if anyone seen me through the window, they'd be thinking this fella's after losing his mind, like which I probably did. And you anyway, had to but... a degree, like. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it was just kind of I had like resistance bands and kind of just doing, just getting doing some rehab, like, not that I needed it, like, at the time, but just kind of doing stretching, doing rehab, but I, I certainly wasn't doing, running around like a maniac, you know, I'd throw out a few press-ups and giving it the, ah, you know, throw the water <laughs> over the face. <laughs> like the annoying lad in the gym. <laughs> yeah, exactly but, but that, you, yeah. But you had Christmas Day there, right? You were there on Christmas Day. I did, Day. yeah. Yeah, so I how, wish I mean, so my worst nightmare. Yeah, like you're like what maybe eight hours ahead or something of home, is it or something like that? Eight nine hours ahead or yeah, I think can't, it's, can't it's think a, it I can't think what it is exactly myself, but it was eight hours ahead. But because of my time difference as well, going from America to I I, I was in Ireland for a short period. I was still kind of I was still mm. jet lagged in Ireland and then go again. So it was like I was trying to adapt twelve hours in time difference. Um, and to be honest, like throughout the two weeks, I was staying awake through the night and sleeping through the day. Mm. Mm. You know, it's just a really strange mental experience, I'd imagine. Oh, I was, like, because, you know, I, I'm looking at the time and it's like 4 a.m. and I'm sitting up watching Liverpool play, mm. you know, where anyone else in the whole wide country, like, is going to sleep and I'm there wide awake because I'd go asleep. Like, the, the people had knock on my door at about 10 in the morning to drop off my breakfast, like, and... After that, it's when I'd go to sleep. Like, but I was after staying up all night. So I'd go to sleep from like 10 in the morning to like five in the evening, you know. And it's, I, I really, like, even when I came out of quarantine, I was still struggling with my sleep. Like, I'd go to train and for the first, like, maybe week, I was going to train without any sleep. You know, I'd stay up all night. And obviously, with the weather over there, we trained. We had to go, we had to get up for training at like 5 30, 6 a.m. So like I'd go to train and like without having slept. Yeah, it's a sort of a so like Christmas Day and stuff where you sort of on you know FaceTime or, or that type of thing. You know, actually, uh, I wasn't people. like I, I, I because like I wasn't like mentally, I, I mentally I was gone. Like you know what I mean, and I was kind mm. of I wasn't the one to be sitting down and cracking Christmas jokes. Like you know what I mean, where mm. obviously everyone else is kind of at home with their families having their lovely dinners. Um, Etc. Like so, it wasn't like I was blowing up my mom's phone, kind of on video, because obviously I didn't want to bring anyone else down, you know. And they were kind of yeah. enjoying their their Christmas, like, and mine was just miserable, kind of sitting in the hotel room eating God knows what it was. I thought it was chicken, but it was probably a cat. Who knows? <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't think about it, buddy. Um, yeah, no, that's yeah. that's it. Yeah. It sounds like um, it sounds almost like a, a prison, like basically, in that you're confined to your room, like solitary confinement. But to, to bring it on with Cambodia, you visited a place in Cambodia that then would actually remind you of what a prison was like in Cambodia, and like the whole experience must have been utterly amazing for you, notwithstanding the football aspect of it. Yeah, for sure, it was like it was an unbelievable experience, like one that I'll always remember because I've seen so many amazing things, like in my short time there, and. Obviously, so many eye-opening things like the killing fields, you know what I mean? And then you go to the likes of the likes of Angkor Wat, where it's worldwide famous. Everybody, like everybody, 
knows about that place in the world and everybody kind of wants to visit. But for me then to be able to actually just drive up the road and go visit it, it was unbelievable, you know, and then to be actually there in person, like was, you know what I mean? It, it, it's one of the most beautiful things and you'll ever see in your life. Like, you know, it's unbelievable. But then it's like, when I went to the killing fields, it's, as I said, I lived like 10 seconds away from the killing fields. And I don't think I slept right after that. Uh, you it know, doesn't it that was... effect on you though you just see bones and bones and bones matter yeah, of fact just to say to people Johnny because not, not everyone listening to this has been there so just to clarify what, what the Killing Fields is I mean the Killing Fields is this site in Cambodia where I think a million people were killed by the Khmer Rouge between in the, in the, in the 1970s like that's the striking aspect of it it's like in the late you know mid to late 1970s when Paul Pot was the dictator there was millions of people taken out to this you know sort of a grassland area effectively as fields would suggest and they were killed and, and buried there and we spoke about this briefly off air and it was my experience of going there it's maybe because I've been to like Auschwitz and some of these uh, concentration camps and there's almost like a tourism around it like you go in and there's like a visitor centre or you know a, a, a tour with like you know audio tours and, and fancy colour coded brochures and manuals and you expect it's almost going to be a touristy thing but the killing fields paddy as we were just talking about it there you basically just go in and there's nothing there and there's like bones on evidence like just to describe to people it's it's a really uh graphic sort of bleak experience it it is like when you actually realize that the bones are real you know and as you said like when you when you go in the entrance like like obviously for for locals they can go in for free but i think i, I gave like maybe five dollars or something to get in there and then once i walked in i'm there on my own it's just like what what do i do now like where do i go you know what i mean it's just mm. like what do i see and there's like obviously a couple of signs around and it's like you have to read the signs to understand like what you're actually looking at and like how real it is as you said there's no tour tourist lookalike about it it's just you see like what you get like what they got you can like see in person you know see how rough they lived and as you said about the bones, like they're they're shown skulls, they're shown bones up like they're ornaments, you know what I mean? And then it's like so graphic that there's like there's rooms and rooms with hundreds and hundreds of pictures of it. Of they they took a picture of the person before they were killed, and then it was like when they were suffering, and then after they were killed. So it's yeah. like a tree picture <clears throat> of this person. And then, as you said, like as well, it's only, you have to think about it as well. It's only forty years ago, mm. you know, which is which is mind blowing. And then, like, there's <clears throat> uh, in the in one of the fields, there's a guy, a survivor, there, and he's sitting there, and you can pay him for you can sit down with him and have a chat with him. And obviously, money is power over there. You can give him a few yes. dollars, and he'll sit down and tell you the experience. And to be to be honest, I was terrified. I, I had no interest in doing it because of what I seen already. And I didn't want to hear it from the horse's mouth. You know what I mean? I didn't want to, I was after hearing, or, sorry, I was after seeing enough of it to like get me out of there kind of stuff, you know? And after that, it was just like, wow. You know what I mean? It's just it's also, crazy because you see the young lads around where it's kind of, it could be their parents, mm, you know? Yes, that's so, the striking thing. That's the striking thing. When you look at, all, you know, elderly people on the street in that region and you see what they've lived through, mm. that's always something that the strikes. But like, I know, listen, people are listening to this 
it almost might get people in the mind to you know to go traveling again and stuff and you know it's a great it's a part of the world i would recommend and i always remember in anchor what it was this local kid who was like in the in the parking lot obviously as you said money is power over there and the local kids like hustling to get a few quid and he was like he could speak he was like 10 9 or 10 years of age and he could speak english german spanish french Italian. I met him as well, actually. I think he was 15 when I was there. <laughs> but, but listen, the whole point is it's a fascinating experience, right? But obviously you went there to play football and yet like, you came home pretty quickly. So it didn't happen. Like, what, what, what was it from the football side of things? Connor Nestor is the manager over there. You <coughs> point out to... Limerick guy who's the manager over there of the club but it just didn't just didn't work for you like why why it it just didn't feel like it just didn't feel like a football club to me kind of in a in a a sense whereas in like there's no obviously obviously the the language barrier is big with the players like you know what I mean probably two or three of the lads of the whole team that speak or maybe even understand English you know what I mean so it's hard whereas in to get that group kind of that knit that tight knit group where I'd be used to you go into clubs you get a bond with each other you know and that I think that's a, the whole part of football is in like you know what I mean you you make friends with your teammates that you yeah. kind of want to you go out then on the field and you want to have their back and you want to do well for them you know and I didn't feel that kind of going in because as I said obviously it's different I'm different different culture different language the whole lot and um, and then it's just uh the kind of professionalism for me wasn't where I where I expected it. You know what I mean? Obviously, I, I've got standards, but I, I can deal with kind of things that are out of people's control. You know what I mean? Uh, but for for me, it was just like we had no training ground. Um, our training ground has been built in the summer, um, and the, the the previous field that they trained on was flooded out uh, through the rain season or whatever before I got there. So. It was like waking up at 5.30 a.m. every morning to go and train in random fields, like at the back of a school or or some some field down, down the road, you know. And it, there was no, like, you know, it was kind of get on the bus, go through all the traffic, um, and then straight off the bus, train, and then home. You know what I mean? You're home and all by yeah. 10 a.m., you know what I mean? So there was no kind of waiting around doing extra kind of, there was no waiting around, have a coffee, have a bit of lunch with the lads, you know? So there was no, there was no, there wasn't that kind of feeling there about it. Um, and that kind of, it tore me off it a little bit. You know what I mean? It was like, I kind of expected a lot better than I was given in a way, you know? And like the standard of training itself, like every day kind of wasn't as where I, I would have liked it to be. You know, um, it was just kind of being pissed, like pissed off kind of uh, mm. like a lot of the days where it's just like, oh, training was so bad today, like kind of, you know what I mean? And that, that would affect your mood throughout the whole day then because uh, I had no one to go home to and kind of what let off the steam to, you know what I mean? No one to talk to kind of, oh, like, you know, tell them about yeah. training or so on and so forth. Like, so it kind of just like, it was that and then thinking about like going forward here um, is this what I really want to go forward like obviously living there and the weather and you know what I mean obviously the, the football wise you kind of I dealt with it um, but I just thought about going forward was it the right thing for me and I like in the end I just said it wasn't and I kind of spoke to Connor about it and 
just kind of wanted to leave. And to be fair to him, he was nice about it. He left. He, he, it was all easy with the club. The club, like the club, was run by great people. You know, it's got a few English lads uh, on the staff and a, a Scottish GM as well. So, you know, they were kind of pretty easy about it. But it was just like that uncertainty of your every day, and you know, what I mean, being annoyed kind of with certain things that I couldn't let off steam, and it was just kind of building up on me where I was just like. Right, get me out of here, you know. And I gave him time to, I gave him a few weeks before the season. I didn't want to drag it out because yeah. I gave him en- enough time for me to leave and for them to get in another foreign player that had had enough time to quarantine and mm. get ready for the first game. So I kind of did it earlier than my mind probably told me, but I knew I was going to do it anyway. So I said to myself, like Paddy, do it now and give the t- give the club like you know what I mean a good chance to get somebody in and to be fair they did get they got a striker in from I'm not sure where uh, a guy Mendy so they got their other foreign lad in uh, quick enough so that I was happy enough that they got sorted quickly before the transfer window shut yeah yeah it's fair enough because it seemed like I'm interested then like so so you've come home then because like your career like I always talk about it like football is a brilliant thing to travel with if you're good at it you know and if you can you know you've you've seen some interesting things in america you know you've got to play for a couple of different clubs and was it cincinnati and and indy 11 wasn't it was the yeah, yeah, yeah. clubs you played with over there and when you went to asia i sort of thought are you trying to go on that sort of you know the, the asian market if you know what i mean because like, it's like a yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah dude. I'm not gonna talk about the Asian markets again. They were they were doing first division games a couple of years ago. But anyway, I think it was more. I think it was more to do with like you know, th- th- there's an expanding world out there in, in other leagues that are growing in that region as well too. You know, India and stuff like that. And I kind of wondered where you're trying to go on that network and that circuit, if you know what I mean. So why come home then? Was it just because you had to? Because time was tight and and. Or what was your what was your reasoning behind coming back to Ireland at this time? It was like in my first mind, it was like to do that. You know what I mean? To go out around Asia and like hopefully get like an unbelievable contract, kind of. Yeah. Like, but it was just kind of that the first experience. Probably going to Cambodia wasn't probably the most the, the most ideal uh, move for that kind of experience. But as in like. For my for the long term period, that was what I wanted in my head is in to go out around there, do well, and kind of enjoy kind of as you said of that traveling, seeing the world, kind of that I'd never in my life get to see anyway, um, and obviously move around kind of Asia and see how that went. But it was just my experience kind of didn't start off as 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 good as I wanted that as kind of it was a lot harder than I thought it would have been because of the culture difference the. The, the language barrier, you know, and it's it's not like a it's not like a, a language where you can, you know, obviously the likes of Spanish in that way you'd you yeah. pick it up like pretty yeah. easily if you did try it, but the likes of Khmer language, like it's you know what I mean? it's impossible to understand what guys are talking about, what what they're trying to tell me, you know what I mean? It's like uh, I had to learn the words like stop, go, left, right, and even still at that, I, I was like uh, I didn't know what I was saying. Mm. So you know mm. It was just the basics of football where kind of it didn't suit me as a player because I like I like being loud, I like being vocal, I like I like kind of commanding, like you know what I mean, pushing my line up, dropping kind of that's kind of my strengths, we say, is in organizing where I can't really organize to with people that 
are not understanding me. You know, it's it, so it, it took away my my attributes kind of thing. So are you like just a chatty like, one in the Pats back five then, or? Yeah, you you could put it that way. Um, I'd be I'd be the chatty one everywhere I go. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I remember the time. My 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 first memory of you is when you were with Galway United, and there was this like the massive game against UCD in the playoff, and like really really tense. But Connor Cannon, like up front for Galway United for UCD, rather he bore a striking resemblance to Ed Sheeran. So we oh, came yes. up with this chant about Ed Sheeran, or someone did anyway, and you just started dying laughing in the middle of the game, and I was just like, I thought he's a bit of a character anyway. <laughs> Sounds oh, like you remember yeah. as well. <laughs> I do, yeah, because I have I have I still have on my phone. There's there's just the pictures of me and him, me and Ed Sheeran, <laughs> and it's just like I'll never go over them pictures because he is the spit of Ed Sheeran. <laughs> he was a good player as well. Like I remember, he was a big, strong, strong lad. Um, he was a difficult enough player to play against. But I remember obviously we were winning that game, and it was the Ed Sheeran shout there, <laughs> and I was like, because I, I wanted I wanted I wanted other people to see what I was. <laughs> <laughs> And Stephen O'Donnell obviously saw enough and yet to come back. But like in fairness, at that time at Dundalk, it's some I remember a particular game in Warsaw. I, I seem to remember you had a brilliant game that night, and it was a bit of a coup for Pat Sagetch as well. Yeah, well, Stevie, to be fair to um Stephen, he's been on to me um like over the last since he probably took over about kind of am I coming back to Ireland? Am I coming back to Ireland? And it was always like no, no, no. You know what I mean? And um, it was kind of, I, I probably would have stayed in America, to be honest with you, if the COVID situation, I, I, mm. I, yeah, I would have stayed in America only for the COVID situation kind of ruined that because we finished, uh, I think our last game was October 4 and this, this season is not starting until May. You know what I mean? So that's like such a long period of not playing and mm. this career is short. This is career is short. Like, and we were only after playing like 15 games as well last year because of COVID. So that was kind of my kind of idea is getting out. And you know what I mean? There's no one else playing around Christmas time, only Asia. So that's for how I ended up in Asia. And then it was just, it was just such a long period of time of not playing that I didn't, it didn't interest me kind of to wait around until May, from October to May and not play. So it was kind of go to Ireland or elsewhere that played at this time of year. So obviously me coming back home, I'm very happy. Obviously, it's it's where I'm from. It's I'm comfortable around here. So it's it's something that that really kind of when Stephen reached out to me again about he reached out to me when I was in Cambodia, and then it was kind of a no brainer for me to come and come to St. Pat's and I'm delighted that I did make the decision. It can be kind of um I don't know it can be kind of a shock as well. I'm only speaking from my experience, and I was like. I remember when I went to the US when I was 15 for seven or eight weeks. But like if you if you if you if you think of that as this is your career and you're here for a long time, when you're in a completely mad place, you're miles away from home, it can be a bit of a shock, I think, as well, that you're like, Well, I'm here now and there isn't really anything I can do about it. And like I don't have the home comforts I used to have. Yeah, for sure. Obviously that home comfort kind of is 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 crucial to be honest with you. Uh, you know, it's like my parents are kind of older as well, which kind of it always because I'm the youngest of eleven, you know. Mm. So it's uh, my my dad is like seventy two. Football and team, did they? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Unless you want a lot of women, because I've eight sisters, so you know, let's That's the way we roll nowadays. Yeah, there's a women's national league now. To be fair, yeah. too, just before people start complaining, there's a women's national league, lads. Just to be clear, you know. <laughs> yeah. be clear. You're the youngest of eleven. 
I'm the youngest of 11, you know, and just being away, like I have like, I think it's about seven, I don't even know how many, to be honest, with your niece and nephews. I think it's like 17 or 18. And it's just kind of being away from all them and my dad, my mom and dad getting older as well. Mm. And, you know, it's, it, it, that, that you kind of miss that when you're away, as you said, when you're kind of away, when I'm isolated in Asia, it's like, it's all them things I'm thinking about. You know what I mean? I'm just like, is it really worth it? You know what I mean? I know I'm getting to see see the world, see places that I'll never get to see in my life and experience it. But it, it, there's that factor as well where it's kind of you're missing out on children growing up. You know what I mean? Your family, your, your mom and dad is obviously, they're not going to live forever. But, you know, so it's kind of that kind of aspect plays in your mind as well, especially when you're not kind of delighted to be there. Mm. So, so Paddy, uh, sorry, you just—I mean, you just struck me the fact that you said it there. So you're the youngest of eleven children growing up. I mean, that actually is like that is an interesting childhood experience. It's 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 atypical these days. So like that's you know, and the youngest as well. I mean, that's a lot of scrutiny on you when you were growing up. Yeah, it was. Uh, my brothers beat me. My sisters beat me. <laughs> uh, but yeah, youngest youngest of eleven. I've got eight sisters and two brothers. Um, which is great, like it's great being the youngest because I'm still, still a mammy's boy. They all, they all hate it, like, but deep down, I, they, I know they love it. Um, and I'm the only one that's kind of interested in football, you know. Apart from me, no, none of my family plays football. My niece plays a little bit of it, um, but apart from that, no one. My, my dad, no interest in football. Like, that's you know, my man, no interest. He, my dad doesn't even know the shape of a football. Yeah, <laughs> and what did they make of it then? When you were like, when in your teenage years, it becomes clear that like you know you're good at this, you know, and you have like no, what Dundee, you know, United, you know, well, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. you know, it looks like you might you might be okay, like you know, you might be okay at this. Yeah, to be honest, it was like a difficult start because I always felt like obviously growing up when I was getting like when I was 13, 14, 15 years of age, I was like, I'm actually, I'm actually not bad at this. Like, you know what I mean? I could give this a good go. Like where beforehand, I'd never really think that, you know, it was just kind of doing it for fun and doing it. I was enjoying it. But then it was just that age where I'm, I still haven't left school yet, but there was an opportunity to go on trial um, over in Scotland. And I did that, like kind of, I was taking weeks off school for a year here and there just to go over on trials. And, I did that and then like I was finally offered a contract where my mom had no interest in signing it. She told me I, I needed to finish school. I needed to needed to do my leaving sort and then I was allowed to do whatever I wanted. But I, I, I wasn't having that. Like, you know what I mean? I thought it was, I thought football was the be all and end all. You know what I mean? And so I ended up like, as I said, like my dad wouldn't have, he wouldn't have a breeze. So I went mm-hmm. into him and I had the contract there like and I got him to sign it. He's like, what's this? I was like, uh, if I remember, I was telling him it was like it was some punishment from school, like because I got plenty, <laughs> I got plenty of them as well. Like. But then I went off to I went off to Aberdeen and I didn't last long in Aberdeen, um, and I ended up going back. I, le- I left at the start of sixth year, start of my leaving sort year. I left school, and after like maybe four or five months. I left Aberdeen and went back and I actually got back into school. The same class just picked it up where I left off. Like it was like I was Einstein or something where I wasn't even the smartest. Like I was, I was, I wasn't brilliant in school. Like, but you know what I mean? I went back and finished my leaving sort and then straight after my leaving sort, I left again. And, 
you know what I mean? And it, it was probably the best decision I ever made was to go back and finish my leaving. So not that I was doing, not that I got 700 points or whatever mm. it was, but it was just to have that kind of in the mind, in the back seat, in the back pocket, like for going forward. But yeah, like, as I said, like my family kind of really never really had interest in soccer until I start being good and they'd never go to kind of any games mm. until we say I start being okay at it and there was they, they realized like okay well we should kind of support him like you know what I mean it'd be a, it'd be a thing like that kind of, kind of families do like support their brother sister brothers whatever it may be um, so yeah that's where they kind of got interest in it but even still to this day like my sisters and that my brothers would go to the games like my dad would go to the games you know and they still would like they wouldn't really have a clue they, like they'd know about it but they wouldn't be kind of deep into it. Like, as in my dad, as I said, my dad, I remember, like, remember my dad and my brother and that, they all came up to the one of the cup finals uh, for Dundalk. Uh, like, my dad, this is typical of how my dad is. So it was after we all went up to Dundalk, up to the stadium to have, like, a few beers and a party or whatever. And my dad is like, who's the manager? Right, so, <laughs> so I'm like, I'm I'm looking over, I'm like, there he is over there, like Stephen Kenny, like I was like him over there. He's like, go away. He's like, will you will you will you ask him to get a picture with me? Will you? So like, I have a <laughs> I have a picture on my phone, my dad and Stephen Kenny. Like I don't, but my dad, my dad, my dad still lives it to this day. Like he sees obviously Stephen Kenny doing the Irish job and on the TV and that. Like and my dad is always like, I have picture him. <laughs> <laughs> And um, yeah, speak, we we get to the Pat stuff now. But just before that, um, speaking of managers, your your initial experience. I didn't realize realize this to the Kevin here. Your initial experience. You're now in a lovely apartment in Dublin, City West, for Pats and so on. But your initial experience in Galway was a little bit different. Oh, for sure. Uh, <laughs> I was a little bit younger going up to Galway and kind of anything goes kind of thing. So I ended up like my first few months in Galway. I was in this. <laughs> Tiny, like very, very small apartment. Like I'm not. It was pretty, pretty close to the Duns. Um, two bedroom. Now there wasn't much. There wasn't much like room. Like you know what I mean. There was one bathroom, two bedrooms, and a tiny kitchen and sitting room together. Like you know, I was. It was great. Like you know what I mean. I was just living with the manager. Was all. <laughs> you and Tommy Dunn. Yourself and Tommy Dunn were living together um, <laughs> for the first few months in Galway, which was you know looking back at it. I'm just like that is bizarre like you know imagine me going to Dundalk and living with Stephen Kenny or coming here and living with Stevie O'Donnell it's, you know what I mean when I look Think back at it they had to leave with Paddy Barrett to be fair yeah to be fair he's probably thinking the same as well but it's just like you know I go for I go kind of food shopping or whatever you know you can't be you can't be the little you know, sweet or whatever like and I'd be sneaking in the old pack of digesters up the jumper and put a bag of jelly you know you have a cup of tea I'd be like I just eat this in my bedroom because I know the old couple of couple of biscuits are in the bedroom. <laughs> well, be I, I just love the of... idea of the, the two of you just sitting around, like you sit around in the evening with the remote control and go, uh, you know, watch, oh, watch a movie. Stop. Or Tommy, don't put his feet up on your lap as he gets tired and all. Like. <laughs> oh, I hope you don't get tired that often. Yeah, but, uh, yeah, it was, it was a it was a mad one that you know. Um, like it just, you know, just looking back on it, you just reminded me of it there. Like it's it's madness that I actually like, and 
if there was a big massive house like or something fair enough you should have your own kind of, own kind of space like you thought the big no, man was just, popping in to stay one night a week when he's there 24 7 like yeah i was thinking he was up and down from galway like this fella was he was full time full time in the house and i thought jesus <laughs> you know i'd be i'd be going out like we say going to the gym if I remember correctly, we didn't train until the afternoons or something weird like that. But I'd be going out and I'd be thinking, all right, I need to let him know like I'm going to the gym. So I'd <laughs> smash the door <laughs> closed just to, for him to know, like, okay, Paddy's gone. Maybe he's gone to the gym or something. But yeah, that was a mad old experience. But like my relationship with Tommy Dome was, was, was great. Like, you know what I mean? But it, when I look back on it, living with the manager is something that no player should ever be doing. <laughs> I, I sort of feel like uh, I sort of feel like goggle goggle boss missed the trick there. Imagine the two of you. I mean, something back, else. I was lucky back then. I didn't watch some television much. You know what I mean? I'd go out and cook kind of <laughs> salad. You know what I mean? Would be, whatever is healthy, I'd cook while he's watching. And then I'd run into my bedroom and I'd disappear. Just, then after the next day, like, <laughs> yeah, and then like. Then in train and then he's nailing me. I'm like, listen up here, me. Like I'm fucking poison you. I'll put something in your porridge. Yeah, Stephen O'Donnelly, listen here. He's nailed you, and he's like, and by the way, you know, where's the bloody remote control? You know where? <laughs> We're on here, like. By the way, yeah, bloody hell, no milk in this house. But but, yeah. but before before we move on to Pat's like just to talk about America and like, like obviously lifestyle wise, I think people know what America is and, and the attraction, but football wise, what was the experience? Like, cause you'd gone from, you know, great experience at the draft Europa league. And, you know, you were part of that amazing run, which is yeah. a whole story in itself, but we don't have time to go there. But I mean, I think anyone we've, we've probably covered it loads on the show 2016, what a journey that was for everyone. So you go to America and like, it's obviously an expanding market over there. The leagues even below the MLS are getting bigger. We've seen a lot of lads from the League of Ireland probably go out there. Some of them have come back. Some like Richie Ryan, you know, have stayed out there or whatever. Like, what, what's it like, basically? You know, what, what it, and how would you, I'm not going to say compare it, but what's the life like of the, the footballer at those levels? You know, it's, it's pretty similar to here, whereas in like, you go off, you, you you go off, and you have your training. You do all your prehab, and you train every day, gym and every day, and you know what I mean. It was it's just kind of that relaxing mindset where it's just like it's very chilled off the field, you know. Where it's, it's just the lifestyle, you know what I mean. I just as you mentioned already, the lifestyle is like second to none. It's unbelievable, you know. Where you have like lovely weather for seven, eight months of the year. With, depending where you are like you know and the apartments that you live in it'd be top quality where you'd have like the pools you'd have you'd have like top quality facilities um, and then like just kind of on the field on the field like in the in the league below <clears throat> the, the MLS like it's there's a lot of top quality teams you know what I mean it's just like there's a gulf there's a big difference between the top teams and the bottom teams you know whereas like we say we say in Ireland here where any any of the ten teams can beat anyone. You know, it's a, it's going to be a very diff, difficult game. Whoever you come up against, whereas in America, if you know the the opponent that you're coming up against, you know, okay, like this should be an easy game. You know what I mean? It's it might not be the nicest facilities that you're going to or the nicest fields that you're going to because a lot of the fields are turf. 
which mm. is a bit of a disaster. But you know what I mean? It's just kind of that mindset, whereas you're going to that game knowing that you're going to batter this team. Um, you know, so that, that kind of mindset of it as well kind of takes that competitiveness away where um, obviously here you kind of go into that, go into the games where it's like, you know what I mean? Anything, anything can happen. You know what I mean? It's like you need to be at your full get. You need to be ready for the full ninety-five, whatever minutes it may be. Whereas over there, it's kind of like with some of the teams you're playing against, it's like, ah, oh, mm. can I be bothered today? Like, you know what I mean? But when you play against the top teams, that's you have that mindset. It's in yeah. like, right, we need to be ready. You know what I mean? So the difference of that kind of is a lot. And as I said, there is some top quality teams over there that would do very well in the League of Ireland. You know, but it's just. The difference of of the we say the top teams and the bottom teams, facility wise, kind of even wages wise, kind of yeah. their their ambitions themselves as clubs, like they kind of they want to do okay and maybe finish in the top ten to get into the playoffs because that's the that's the biggest downfall of the American uh, league is the system of the playoffs, yes. kind of where they don't really they don't really care about who wins the league. It's all about the playoffs where. I think it should be completely the opposite way around because the league is like 36 games and it's whoever is the best team over 36 games where the playoffs is knockout. You know what I mean? You could have a bad game and your whole season is finished. Yeah. Like my first year in America, we won the league easily and um, you can win the league. We won the league pretty easily in, in America the first year and it was like, nobody really cared. Like, And then we went into the playoffs like, and then we, we get knocked out of the playoffs and we finished the season on a low where we were the best team over 36 games and we didn't get that chance to feel that kind of, right, we're the best, you know? So yeah. it's kind of, it defeats the purpose of, and it, it kind of, it, it gets rid of that competitive side of it, which is probably the worst side of it. But over there playing, playing, living in that, you know what I mean? It's, it, it is unbelievable. Like, and I really loved my time over there. What's the biggest crowd you would have played in front of over there? Because Cincinnati had massive support, didn't they? Yeah, I think we get... In Cincinnati, we were getting, um, I think, maybe 32,000 um, every home game. Um, it was unbelievable crowd. That wow. we, were play- we were playing the college stadium as well, um, which was, t- like, it was so compact. They were right on the field. They were loud. They had us singing sections. You know what I mean? It was unbelievable playing in front of that kind of crowd every week. You know what I mean? In a home no game No cheering well. songs, though. No Ed Sheeran songs, no no playing against Ed Sheeran, unfortunately, that time, but I've played against some characters, all right. Yeah. Yeah. Like, so anyone come to mind over there, so, yeah. yeah. Um, probably Joe Cole would be probably kind of the biggest name that I played against over there, because the likes of Drogba and Roy Phillips and that were playing on the opposite side. Um, they were playing over the over the West where I was in the East, so it was just Joe Cole kind of was probably the biggest kind of name player that I played against uh, when we played Tampa Bay. And it was actually, I was, I was the captain that day and he was the captain of their team. I just remember walking out and he's like, he was like, you're a big Irish fucker, aren't you? I was like, I am, I am, I am, boy. <laughs> <laughs> Throwing the old Walford accent as well. Oh yeah, I had to change the accent completely. Like I, I was like, yeah, I am, boy, yeah. Trying <laughs> <laughs> to get aggressive with him as well, like. How would you get on against him then? Uh, we actually beat him that game. I remember, I just remember that game because uh, we actually got pumped. To be honest with you, we we shouldn't have won the game at all, and we had a we had a mad decision, a penalty, a penalty for us. 
and he was losing his mind like um, and it, 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 it's, it's, it's cool to play against like English and Irish people because you, it's, you hear the accents like mm. you know what I mean you hear from a mile away like where you know straight away where he's from like and obviously here everyone sounds like Jesus God knows where they're from like you mm. know what I mean but over there when you have so many Americans and then you have like the couple of old English people it was just listening to him like the way he, the way he spoke kind of to referees was just like completely different the way like Americans would you know what I mean he just speaks yeah. He'd be down the referee's throat like the way I'd be. You know what I mean? It's just like, it's mad to see that coming from him because I was in awe, like, you know what I mean? Because I'd be a massive Liverpool fan and, like, obviously he played for Liverpool and he was one of the best wingers, like, at, at a time, like, when he was there in Chelsea. Like, he was unbelievable, like, in the Premier League. So it's just kind of in awe of playing against the likes of him and then you realise, like, like, he's only, like, he's only like us, like, you know what I mean? Mm. <laughs> There's nothing to it. Like, he's just good mm. at his job. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's sort of mad when you think about it. Like, I know obviously we're in closed doors times. So, but like, say the first game of the season, Rovers Pats. I thought that was a really good standard game. Like, I, I thought it was quite an you know enjoyable game just to watch. And you're sort of saying, say the levels over there maybe aren't dramatically different in some ways, and yet you've got thirty thousand people watching some of your games. You know, it's it, it sort of makes you think how some of our games would look here sometimes in those stadiums with those facilities, and you know how it would look, you know, which is something yeah, I always sure. talk about in the show. For sure, it's a big, big difference of how it looks because uh, as we as we can see, like, you know what I mean, for watching football all around the world now with no fans, like, it's not that entertaining, you know what I mean? It takes that, like, mm. entertainment, that that excitement kind of out of the game. Um, and as you say, like, I'm, uh, I'm telling you, you put Rovers Pats first game of the season in front of a 36,000 stadium, you wouldn't know the difference of that and any other top leagues around the world, like if you put them in front of that stadium, because Especially when as I said, like, in goal from Liverpool as well, like yeah, exactly. When he's when he when he's clawing balls out of the corners, then like you know what I mean, you're happy out. Um, <laughs> but when you have a big when you when you have a big Irish blockbuster in front of you, then like I helped. <laughs> <laughs> I told him I helped him that night. Um, but I'm telling you, yeah, it's unbelievable that you put you put Rovers Pats in front of thirty six in a in a thirty six thousand stadium full of people like it looked no no difference to mm. anywhere in the top leagues and around the world tell us you, you if, if you're such a big Liverpool lover I saw I assume with Vite, uh the keeper of Pats now Vitislav Yaros you're uh, you know he's, he's been on the bench in games he's been around the squad I assume I don't know, do you have a few questions for him or comments for him about what it's I'm going in slowly from. trying to get it. I, I, I'm, I'm putting my feet in slowly. Like, you know what I mean? I'm only dipping my toes in the war with him. He's only a young lad. You know what I mean? So I have to get him to trust me and like me. And you know what I mean? Me help him kind of have a few clean sheets here and there. And then I'm just going to hit him. Bang. Can you get me someone's jersey? <laughs> <laughs> so believe me, his, his time will come. Like, you know what I mean? I'll be best friends with him the time the season's over. Like, you know what I mean? V, uh, tickets there for, uh, you know. <laughs> Exactly, yeah. It must be a bit surreal, is it? It is. You know, like it's it's deadly, like you know what I mean? It's you see because I was I, I creeped on his Instagram there at one stage and it's just like him kind of chatting with Klopp, like you know what I mean? That's that, that's madness, like to me, like you know, and him him belting away with like Alison Becker and kind of all this, like, but what a keeper he is, like you know what I mean? Access to his years. Instagram. I hate a man tells no <laughs> he tells no whispers boy. Uh, 
He spent a long time in that hotel room in Cambodia, John. You know? Tommy, Dunn, yeah. Tommy Dunn, I feel sorry for now. <laughs> I know it's the way. But uh, yeah, he's an unbelievable keeper. He's only 19 years of age. He's like, you wouldn't you wouldn't turn around and watch him and say like he was 19. You'd mm. be like, he's an experienced, he's an experienced pro. Like where Shamrock Rovers game was his first ever professional game. Like, you know, and obviously he made that mistake against uh, Drada the other day, which will which will make him make him twice the keeper he is now because how he reacted from that, you know what I mean? It's pretty big. Like as a young a young player, like it's it's not easy to kind of to put put mistakes in your in the back of your mind pretty like pretty quickly. Whereas in he he like his distribution then after that mistake, he was still pinging balls out to flip players and then he made an unbelievable save from Ronan Murray. You know what I mean? So it's it, Jesus is a credit like and to see that kind of after that mistake, it's it's unbelievable and it's kind of exciting to see what what's um, what's in store for him going forward. Hopefully, it's plenty of clean sheets. So, so Paddy, before we let you go, I mean, you've you've been around very good squads as we've discussed previously. You know, with with, with Dundalk and your time there, leagues and cups and and being being around the top end of it. So, what can Pat's achieve this year? What is this Pat's group like? You know, in terms well, of to, to be fair to like to be honest with you, this past team is very good. And um, we've a very good squad. We've a small squad with like very good players. You know, it's um I know I know it's kind of a cliche thing where someone asks like about someone and people are gonna hear it's obviously praising, you know what I mean? Just to we say yeah, oh, like I'm not gonna sit here and nail pats, you know what I mean? Of course, but, yeah. I'm being honest when I say like this team is very, very good. You know what I mean? We have a small squad, with like a lot of young players in it. But like, as you see, kind of the other day, where me, I think it was me and somebody else, Billy King, maybe were out injured, and you put in two younger lads, where they're just as good. You know what I mean? They're you. You can play any of the. You could make three, four, five changes on our team where it wouldn't make any difference. You know what I mean? The team is just going to go out and perform the way it would if you have this. If you have your strongest team. Um, so like going forward, like I think this season we can definitely, definitely improve. Like my 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 first aim is to improve from last year. I think they finished like maybe fifth or sixth last year. Like so from uh, from my point of view, I just want to get up that table, you know, higher than last year and improve from last year and hopefully push and push and get Europe and keep pushing and hopefully if we're there and thereabouts, go win the league. You know what I mean? Because it's not out, it's not miles away. I I feel like. This year will be a lot closer than maybe the last couple of years. Um, all around the league, I feel like the, anybody yeah. could really win it. You know what I mean? I think Finn Harps are at the top now. Um, so it's kind of anyone's, really. It's just whoever wants it the most. Um, so, and it's something that, obviously, Stevie is Stevie and Alan and kind of the other coaching staff have driven into us that, you know what I mean, lads? This is like... This is our time to shine. If we want to push up that table, and it's there for us. It's just up to us whether we want to get it or not. And like I feel like as well, like that this club, I feel like the, the people that run this club and work for this club, it's a, it, it feels different to like other clubs that I've worked with where you want to do well for the people working there. You know, it's just the likes of like the old boy Christie. I'm not sure his surname. Mm. Uh, the old physio there you know he's been there years and he's been through the good times and the bad times the Alan Matthews there you have Padge obviously Stephen O'Donnell you know what I mean you have Shawnee O'Connor they're players they're uh, people that all are interested in football and all that you, you you want to actually do well for as 
people, you know what I mean? Away from the football, it's just like, oh, I want to do well for them, you know what I mean? Because it make them feel good. And I feel like that that kind of is around this club at the minute. And hopefully going forward that we can produce on the field and get the results that we need to push up the table and hopefully like get into Europe maybe um, and even go one better and win some silverware. Mm. Yeah, it's been great having you on. I suppose... Um... Best of luck in the Bowes game, and um, you know you're 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 just before you go, your flatmate, you're, you've one of the new kids on the block uh, living beside you. Today's uh, today's version of Tommy Dunn. <laughs> <laughs> he's, I think I think he's a bit a little bit better than Tommy Dunn. Uh, I can't ask Tommy Dunn for the West Ham jersey, but I can ask this boy. <laughs> yeah, because young young Lewis, he's another. You can only watch, like you can only watch EastEnders with Tommy Dunn. That was the only thing you <laughs> yeah, can. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Listen, it's been great having you on, Paddy. Terrific having you on. And listen, best of luck with the rest of the season. Appreciate it, lads. Thanks a million, Paddy. Thank you. Cheers. Top man. Yeah, that was Paddy Barrett. Um, it's kind of Character. interesting He's performing these Zooms, Dan, because we have a 40-minute limit um, in terms of the performance. We had to stretch into a second one because it was just like, I can't really cut this lad off. And then the story is just kind of I well, to be clear, that, that actually wasn't 40 minutes long. That's because we were talking shy for 10 minutes before. Yeah, we and I, I forgot to press record. But I was thinking, like, <laughs> what a what a player to bring into your dressing room. Like, you want this is the type of player Roy Keane would have probably liked bringing him in because he put a smile on your face, like he brought in Dwight York for morale or whatever. Stephen O'Donnell would have recognized Roy this lad, yeah, would make his smile just talking to him. And the, you know, you, maybe you're listening to this at home, but Paddy Barrett basically smiled through that entire interview. And, and you know, he just has this kind of infectious personality, notwithstanding the fact that he's a bloody good footballer as well. No, that's the thing. Like, I mean, I think sometimes, I think when Paddy Barrett was at Dundalk, like, like he, he had that reputation as being a bit of a joker, but like, and, and maybe does that take away sometimes from an ability as a footballer, if you know what I mean? Like, mm. he came in some of those European games and like it was really good. He was a real Kenny signing actually at the time. Um Kenny always like he tried to identify defenders who could play, you know, who could actually sort of were okay in the ball. And um didn't work out for all of them. Like we had Stephen Foden on last year and so on. But like it was always a you know he, he had an eye for a certain type of defender and in those European nights it really stood to him. And mm. definitely for Pats like you know you can under like See, the, 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 we have obviously a level within the league and you see clubs, you know, teams going outside the league now to bring in players. And it's a, it's a mixed bag. It's a bit hit and miss. So if you have someone that becomes... Like you can understand why Stephen O'Donnell like, following Paddy Barrett and hoping someone like him might come home at some yeah. stage. Because there's some players who've played in the league who you bring them back in and you just know that they're going to... They're, like, they're going to... They're going to be absolutely fine. Like, there's no mm. question around... Even, like some degree even like it's very different but like even Dundalk bringing back McMillan or like even if players who and Paddy Barrett did well when he was away but even someone who's been away where they've maybe struggled a bit but they know the league and it's, it's a very idiosyncratic league and for sure players sort of know the personality of the league and the opponents and the grounds and the, the style of games and what you need to do like you can like you know, and perhaps, perhaps take a gamble on, on the loan market and bring in players who as good as they might look on paper, you never know. But I think with Barrett, there's never any doubt that he'll be fine. You know that he'll he'll be a good addition. And uh, yeah, good crack to the youngest of eleven. That's yeah, yeah. Nice. 
yeah, it is a crazy house. Um, interested to see how it works out with the, the lone e living with them there, uh, City West. Probably having interesting experiences of Ireland living with Paddy Barrett. Um, but I actually thought Danny spoke with a bit of confidence that isn't misplaced, maybe about Pat's having quite a good season as well. Well, you were loving that. You were, you were I mean, if people, I mean, if, 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 if Paddy Barrett had a smile on his face, I mean, I don't know. I, I thought you were about to come through the camera, you know, when you heard him suggest. Um, and, 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 that's, and, that, that's not and, the case at all. Um, I just, I just think they'll have a good season. I, I hope, but I, I am a little bit worried that Rovers will run away with it as well because um, you could argue maybe that the rest are just much for muchness. I think Pat's will be uh, have a good chance of being the best of the rest at the moment anyway, but we'll see. So I wasn't at a game on Saturday. We'll go to Darrell Dolan. Mm. So I wasn't at a game because I was going to the Ireland match. Um, but I so it was the first time in the watch LOI that you have a couple of games on going at the same time, and we were actually on radio for the for the for, you were you were actually at Bose, you were at the game, uh, you you were at, you were at Bose, um, you know, while doing a bit off the ball or whatever. Because I was at home and I I had I basically decided to put the Pats game on and just uh, gambled on it being the better game. What do you mean? I saw Bose, I saw Bose were up early. Well, I I enjoyed it, like you know, um. Like it was one of those ones where I actually couldn't believe that Yaros made a mistake. Yeah. You know, one nil because you've basically been told that this kid will never make a mistake. Um, and that's when you see Bazuna play tonight for Ireland, who like you can see right, you can see that they've got something about them, but they are also I mean, and Bazuno's gonna go so far, by the way, right? He's he's, he's gonna be everything I hear is great, right? For the he's, he's also in you never know. You never know, it's mm. possible. Some people believe that. But he's he's, mm. a, he's a nineteen he's a nineteen year old keeper. Um, so he's going to make mistakes, you know. Presumably, could have been done once or twice tonight. Like mm. you know, he he rode a very fine line. I still think he's the business, but he can make mistakes. And Yaros just had one of those the other day. And, and Ronan Murray obviously referenced it earlier. Um, um, that, or it was the Paddy? Sorry, Paddy Barrett referenced it. Sorry, but um, very Paddy interesting point though about like coming back and rallying and coming like bringing the ball straight away yeah. as a kid. Ah, yeah. the class Granted, there's nobody there. It's a game in Dublin. Whatever. Maybe he's not. He's not in Anfield. But I still think that's very interesting. But sorry, but going back to your point about Pats, right, that they just kept probing away. And you think last year, and in fact, really all of O'Donnell's time with Pats, um, uh, that, um, like, there's been all these games, particularly at home, where Pats just haven't, haven't won those type of games. Like, they'd go away to Rovers and, and do fine and compete against them. And then coming back at home and drawing to draw it is exactly what they would do. And they were going to do that until the last seconds, but they kept pressing and they got the answer. Now, to be fair, like Drada were very competitive. Like they could have, they could have, they could have taken it at one all as well. And they probably had a degree of a like, you know, in the last 15, 20, like they 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 sort of it felt like a game plan had come together in the sense, you know, and they were they were close. But I think even just psychologically for Pats, that'd be big because you know they they they've they've got a good squad. They've got a good side, and they've got a really interesting game against Bowes this weekend. Uh, who are going to be smarting after being two 0 up against Longford and fading away. And it's a disaster for Bowes. It's a great story for Longford. Great story for Connor Davis. And you you tracked down Dara Doyle afterwards, didn't you? I did indeed. Uh, we wanted a reaction from from the lads. Obviously, we're disappointed with the first half to go two 0 down. Um, listen, we've got to, we've got to thank Lee Stacey for a great double save from a shot and then the rebound, which he done great. If we had we go in three 0 down at half time, 
it's very, very difficult to see anything happening. A 2-0 down, we knew that it, with the wind and the, and having the hill in the second half as well, it was it was quite a factor in the game today. I think you've seen it in both halves. And when a game is only at 2-0, it's still very finely balanced. So the team that gets the next goal is the all-important goal. And we said the lads that we expected a reaction. We wanted to be better. We needed to be a bit braver. And we felt we were all of those things in the second half. Um, with that, it, it took a bit of time till we got the first goal. But once we got that goal and got an equaliser late on, it looked like there was one team going to win that game. And it looked like us. So um, delighted to be able to come out with with a point it keeps like I say um, more points on the board for us and um, it shows the lads that we can most definitely compete at this level which we proved last week and again there tonight Yeah because um, you know some people would have said in the first half how long for they're going to struggle this season and I was, I was on the radio myself saying on the, you know I thought we'd have a game here and it looks like it's over but second half the belief was there Yeah no listen we have a really good group in there the characters in there are they're really strong boys they're, there's a togetherness in there they, they don't stop and they won't stop and I, and I know that so um, we expected that reaction to be fair I thought that we could come back into the game and I'm glad that we got back into it but um, it's thanks to all the lads in there and, and the belief that they had enough and, and the work because in the second half I think we were very very good What about your substitutions not only Davis but Warfield as well who's passed for the second goal I thought was one of the highlights of the game really Yeah no it was, it was excellent you look at Conor Davis there's a lad that probably hasn't played games consistently now in two years he has worked ever so hard since coming in with us in December to train he's got himself up at the levels there now where he can get back and, and train and play and he's a huge asset for us he was someone that we went after and we still had to beat a bit of competition to bring him to this club and delighted for him to come on there today and, and make the impact like he did with two goals you mentioned young Callum Warfield and the handful he is you only have to look at him he's a man mountain he's also very quick he's also very good in the air and you mentioned the ball he put in for the equaliser it was a great ball in which, which Conor Davis finished superbly so delighted with the impact of everyone we have a really strong group I feel we have competitions in all places and I say that to the lads before give me absolutely everything you have and when I see that you're done I have people there that can come on and take your place and do a very good job as well and we need that in the group It was a lovely moment after the game where yourself and Conor Davis were embracing I guess that was to do with the injuries that he's had and you know he's had to be patient Yeah no he has and listen he's, he's a great lad he's a great professional and um, I, I can't speak highly enough of him I was delighted to get him to this club and um, I feel he'd be a huge asset for us going forward so delighted for him to score two goals after the, the injury troubles he's had in the past so um, yeah great moment for him and a great day for him Hey Dervin after the game against Derry he was saying you know maybe some people have written Longford off but they won't be now No boy, I don't think so no, I think definitely if you, if you look at people this week they, we were talked about quite, quite well this week people talked about the intensity that we play off and um, also the togetherness that's there in the group and I think that's evident again there today I think any team that will, will know when they're coming into a game against us that they will definitely get a tough game we won't give anyone anything easily I know we went to two goals down in the first half but I think the wind and the hit playing against it was, was, was a factor in that as well which allowed them they did they dominated the first half and it was the complete reversal in the second half This was just a wider question um, Drogheda nearly got a point off Pats there late winner um, late winner yeah Harps obviously have won their first two games and you've four points so it could be an open enough league this season Yeah listen it's, it's early days we know that we're two games into 36 and um, we're happy to have four points we could have had six but listen we're happy to have four and I do expect it to be an open league you look at Finn Harps against uh, Dundalk last night and they were fully deserving of a win um you mentioned Drogheda who have come up alongside ourselves again they're similar to ourselves in a way that they've been building as a group over the last three or four years and they have a lot of players that have been together for a long time much like ourselves and there's a lot to be said for groups that have been together over a number of years because they grow and they build together and it builds the togetherness whereas I think if you look at a lot of the teams that have been in the Premier over the last couple of years there's been large overhauls at a lot of clubs and we're one of the few clubs that have gone up that 
we've brought in the right characters, but we have a group that have been there for years. Well, that was the thing people would say, Longford haven't signed enough players to stay up, and that's something I suppose you still have to prove that you have. Yeah, no, listen, we, we have. Like, there's other players there that didn't get on. Aaron Robinson, who was one of the top Leinster Senior League players for years, I'm lucky not to be blaming this team. He's been excellent for us since coming in. You have Callum Thompson as a right winger who back from Wolves and had a, had a good year at Bray last year. Players that can make an impact, and I feel will make an impact over a 36-game season that people haven't quite seen the best of yet. But, um, listen, we have a strong squad, and I'm really happy with the players that we brought in. Um, so, I mean, you look at Aaron Bulger and Aaron O'Driscoll again both had good games Aaron Bulger grew into the game as it went on there today and was able to affect it a little bit more probably from the 35th minute on I think he really started coming into the game and getting some chances so I'm um, happy with the signings and happy with the players we retained to give us the best chance to be competitive in this league Yourself and John Martin going well did you feel ready for the job when I suppose it was kind of catapulted uh, towards you when Neil Finn left? Yeah no I did to be honest it was it was something that I, I'd been working at for years um, I played till I was 37 and by the time I'd finished I had my A licence I'd done a year as player coach at Cabin Sealy um, I'd had a year and a half as the assistant manager it's you know all I've done since I'm 17 is football um, I've been ready for this role I've, I've done a lot of preparation and um, I'm loving it I'm driving in it I believe that we can go far as a group um, with the support I have there you mentioned John Martin you mentioned Stephen Marr Jer Mooney there's, there's a number of people we have here that they're really really helpful to me I mean I, I couldn't ask and I couldn't speak highly of the, the support staff I have they're for me some of the best that you'll have and the prep that we do for every single game we're ready for every single game that's going to come up against us and I, I think you can see that That's fine I think it's great to see a club like Longford such a small town really punching above their weight and doing so well yeah listen we're delighted we have a great club and we, we've we've lots of great things happening we have huge support there and we have um, a lot of people really really backing us and we're really thankful for that so um, it's all to do you look at our facilities up there and what we have we, I mean we, we have a premier division club up there and it's important that we retain our status in here and we continue to grow and grow and develop as a club and that's going to be very important to us and, and this is the start of it but we need to ensure that we're competitive in every game to get us the points we need to, to do that yeah, it's uh, interesting to hear Dara Doyle speak with so much confidence, Dan. He'd almost remind you of an ex-Longford Town manager who was, um, you know, when they were punching above their weight by the name of Stephen Kenny. And he does feature uh, as part of our question this week, which uh, you have. The four-star pizza question. Will a Rovers fan win it for three weeks in a row? Do we have to actually bar Rovers fans if they win? I don't know. Um, see what happens. Yeah, the question this week it's 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 it should be straightforward enough for people, but you know a bit of work required, um, and obviously it relates to his time at Longford Town, um, because we've sort of given that away, um, but what was the name of the team that was the opposition for Stephen Kenny's first ever match in Europe, his first ever European game? I mean, he was manager of Longford Town. That was part of the story. What was the name of the team they played against? So people can. Uh, tweet us at, at, at LOI Central Pod or, or hashtag LOI Central um, and give us the answer to that question and you will go into is it is, is it a hash I'm not even sure what Derek produces it's some sort of Bob Dylan so, paraphernalia anyway with Derek you know, Derek the producer he's, he's responsible or Derek is the, by the way the definitely responsible we, we did this last week it was almost like um, it was like like Home and Away or one of these shows back in the day where like you know they they've clearly changed the character, uh, the actor, you know, but it's the same character, you know. It's like yeah, nowhere. She Pippa. changed a couple of times, yeah. yeah. Uh, nowhere it's like uh, Pippa's, you know. Listen, we all we all undergo a tr- change up, but she seems to have like you know sort of got two inches taller and changed hair, <laughs> and maybe like lost or put on a bit of weight or something. I can't remember which one it was. In Alsa, say that now. Who even knows? But, yeah. but but like out of nowhere. So we had a new team tune last week, just out of nowhere, and just <laughs> pretended it was normal. Like it never happened. We never referenced it anywhere. But that's because uh, Derek and his uh, his musical connections are, are are doing their thing. 
but uh, he will he will put all the names that get that answer into some kind of um, hip uh, rock sort of funky uh, cylinder device of some description, and and he'll we'll, we'll pull out the name and all we've of, got all, a pizza. All of the above, yeah. Um, How have we got this far? By the way, like we're coming towards the end of the show. We've got this far, and, and listen, we probably got distracted. There were good interviews that we had with the lads. But like, and maybe it's just coming off the back of the international week, or is it a reflection of a diminishing status in Rovers against Dundalk that we're only talking about Rovers Dundalk now? Yeah, it's like this this time last year. Well, not quite this time last year, but the lockdown, but similar phase of the season, we had probably I don't know best league of Ireland like regular season league game of of the last twenty years, 10, 15 years maybe. The game in Tala, is that overstating it? Maybe. Maybe nah. just because of the back, maybe because of the backdrop, um, you know, and the sort of seven thousand people, the Flores goal that went around the world, Jack Byrne brilliance to win it. The fact that it was the two best teams in the country stadium um, well going at it in a five goal thriller where attack won rather than defense. Mm. Um it was just a special game. And yet we, we come to this game this Friday again, obviously closed doors um affair. So it's not it's gonna miss one element of that. But you're kind of wondering like what what the you know what this game is going to represent, you know, because they're always up in place since the opening weekend. You know, they, they nearly lost, but you feel like you know they, 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 they'll be okay. Whereas there's this Dundalk one. I've said it all along, Johnny, and I said at the start, it could swing they either have to start way. Well. well, they have to start well. And when they don't start well, like they've got a tough run of games coming up. Yet, yes, they have it in them, right? They definitely have it in them. To produce a performance. Well, Rovers um, weren't entirely convincing themselves. You know, well, like Rovers game, weren't entirely convincing themselves against Pats, and they, they will take a bit of time to get going. So I could could still see Dundalk getting a result here. Well, I should actually mention, by the way, Ravis uh, Jerkovskis, uh, like probably, like you talk about the international week, like, uh, and Sonny Natastad is obviously suspended for this game. Scored for the Pharaohs. Uh, scored for the Pharaohs against Austria. And uh, Drakovskis was involved tonight for Turkey against Latvia or Latvia against Turkey when they basically 3 1 down away from home in Turkey came back to draw 3 all. And he actually made a goal. And it's actually just really cool. It is. Like that, that we have like a player in the league who's been away part of a big, you're like a very significant qualifier. Like Turkey, Latvia, you know, is, is probably at the same level as any game we've watched. You know, sort of the last two games anyway. And we have a player in our league who's been centrally involved in it. Like mm. I've had my views about where things are going with the dock, right? People, people, some people in the dock have, have issues with aspects of it. I I, I you know, and, and that 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 will be what will be will, will be on, on some of that. But like there's aspects of the Dundalk project inverted commas that are brilliant in a way. Like, you know, there's a there's a brilliant sort of quirkiness and you know randomness about but but like you know it, it's a it's a good sell like to have you know players from you know an international team coming to this country you know and I think but I, I it it does look like to me that some of their recruitment this year some of their recruitment um has been good. I think Tchaikovskis in particular I think Nats that would be fine keeper a question mark and you know there's 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 still a couple coming in from stateside, which just reflect why that club, unfortunately, you know, there's so much good in what they're doing, but there's a fair bit of bad shit as well. And 
it's got the potential to get a bit batshit if they if they go on a losing run, you know. And oh, listen, we're getting stick for going on about the um, the Filippo thing. Like we talked about Pats earlier, and we spoke about Stevie O'Donnell. We didn't speak about Alan Matthews in the same mm. way that when I talk about Dundalk, we, we, we speak about Filippo. So that's consistency, by the way. Um, like I think the problem you have, and I actually sort of feel a bit even for Shane Keegan or whatever. When you have a situation where you lose a game at home to Finn Harps, which is a bad result, um, you need to hear afterwards from the people who've been the most responsible for that, you know? And this is going to become an issue for them though, yeah. if they go on a bad run. If they're on a winning run, right, no one cares. If they beat Rovers weekend, no one cares. But where this stuff becomes important is if you're, you're losing and there's almost a perception that the dominant figure isn't out there fronting up, discussing it, explaining it, in particular if the keeper is making mistakes, which is definitely, obviously, a very much a, a Filippo signing. So yeah. th- these are the things. So their season hangs on a knife edge very early for me. And like, uh, yeah, it, it doesn't, it doesn't. Though. It, like, it is it is very early days. If they happen to beat Rovers, everything is kind of grand again. No, no, it's, no, no it, I accept that. I accept that, but it's, it's, a, it's a bigger game for them than it is mm, for Rovers as a coach. Oh, yeah. Because um, the game's and, coming up against Bows and Pats. Um, and it's just for all those factors that I discuss, like they just need a stable run of results because there is a potential for an unstable reaction, uh, which could cause, which can just make things very uh, problematic for people. So, yeah. um, but but like I'm just like, listen, forget all that crap, really, to some degree. It's going to be a good football match, I hope. It's going to be an interesting, interesting game. Jakovskis, by the way, has played three games in a week. So, again, like fatigue is another thing you have to factor into it coming back from, you know, traveling playing three games, like, you know, playing on a Friday. A lot of the Irish players aren't playing until Saturday, although I think maybe with Easter there might be some games on Friday. But the, the general point being, you know, that's 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 another player who could be in difficulty. We should mention Roberto Lopez, Pico, by the way. Like, you do have a, a lad from Crumlin off playing in a win against Cameroon, which yeah. is pretty cool. Like, even, like, just the fact that you have a couple of players in this game on Friday who've been off doing stuff around the world, the international break is, is great. I love that stuff. You know, I think... Can't be too close-minded to um absolutely to, to, to all these things. So the, the fixtures at the had... weekend as well are just uh, to get them through yeah. there. Longford Sligo um is five forty-five kickoff on Friday. Then we have the big one: Shamrockovers and Dog, Cabinteely, Cork City, Treaty, Wexford, Athlone, Galway, Shells, uh, Bray, and then on Saturday, Draw the United, Finn Harps, Derry City, Watford, Bowes, St Pat's. Um, very very interesting game, I think, and Cove UCD. There. In fairness to ten team uh, division, Dan, the, all these games. I know it's early, but like they they, they have a very interesting narrative of themselves. Draw to play Finn Harps. Obviously, Harps trying to make it three wins out of three. Uh, Derry against Watford. You, you imagine like the the manager who loses that game, and then you have Bowes and Pats. I haven't been at all impressed by Bowes so far. I have to say, I've, I've seen them a couple of times, but Pats could uh, could get a lot of confidence from that late win, I think, and expect them to go to Daily Mount full of confidence. But uh, yeah, I, I do expect Rovers to probably beat Dundalk as well. Yeah, like I mean, I think Rovers have had maybe two weeks to reflect on on the Pats game and even the President's Cup. Listen, the President's Cup, I suppose, even how the Dock have done recently shows subsequently shows you can't really put too much meaning on, on the President's Cup. But like Rovers, to be fair, were seconds away from an opening defeat, having not lost at all last season um, in the league. So, like you know, there's there's obviously. There's a it's, a, it's a, it's a horrible rugby phrase, but it's obviously like, you know, the, the, work-ons or something. It's like something they'd say, or learnings or something. Learnings, like, yeah. So, so, so like, and I just wonder, like, 
whatever's going on with the dog generally that like is there familiarity about this rivalry in these games that would just naturally bring the best out of them? The issue they have is that they're still got a few players coming back from injury. Um and, and we'll see we'll see how fresh they are in, in some respects. But I'm just looking forward to it. I'm just really looking forward to the game. I'll be in uh, I'll be in change anything. I'll be in Lissy Woolen. I've never been to at Lone's Ground before. I think it'll complete my do, set in the train. Do we do we world. need to uh do we need to like put out some kind of disclaimer in the show now? Because you're you're now basically like a media officer. Yeah. So yeah. do we have to like sort of I'll I mean, never criticize John Fo- John Caulfield again. I'll, I'll be I'll be like I'll joke aside, it, it is a lot of fun working with him and Lisa Fallon and these guys. Oh listen, well, there's a contractual there's a contractual mm. addition there. Do we? I mean, uh, I for one welcome on you, Overlord. Yeah. <laughs> do we have to put a little disclaimer into any first division talk? Mm. Was that sure. the game on on um, on Friday night? He's breaching and, the uh, participation agreement. I mean, um, probably breaching the old one, probably. Um, yeah, it was that game Friday night. Shells came to town. It's looking at the Shells team and like some very, very good players. So it was a nil-all draw with a kind of a controversial sending off. But again, there's a lot going on in the first division. Cork City beat Cove and then Treaty mm. completely frustrate Bray in their first game as a senior team and um, at Lone Drew against UCD. Uh, Wexford lost Cavan Teeley. But again, the first division looks to me like a load of teams could be involved at the end. It's a bit like the Premier Division for, for Europe. Like I don't know where the narrative is, Dan. I don't. I don't. I don't think there's this really convincing team apart from Rovers. And even are they? Are they going to run away with this? I don't know. Do we? Do we? Do we need a narrative? No. Does there always have to be a narrative? Yeah, I think that's it. I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, there's a bit of subdued ending, but um, we'll be back next week. There'll be much to discuss. No yeah, thanks to the lads, the three lads who are on, and thanks as ever to futureticketing.ie, uh, our sponsor. And as you say, every week, next week, we'll know a little bit more about what we just said, whether we were right or wrong. Talk to you then. Yeah.